You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the Draven tooth comes from the Green Dragon. Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast. This is Jeremy with show favourite Kylie. Hello, hello. And we are going through a- another army list today, and it's a small army list, Kylie. It's the trolls. I would think it's actually the, the second smallest of all the army lists. <laughs> I think there's only... You are going to say smallest, weren't you? I was, and then I remember there's one giant fire-breathing dragon that we're all very fond of that might take the cake of being a single model in an army list. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's... It's almost like we're just doing this to meet contractual obligations, aren't we? It's like, let's find the smallest army list and tick the box for the month, and away we go. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you can't get much smaller than uh, the trolls. I think it's really important that we go over these small army lists as well, because we want to mix it in, and we do want to get to some of the bigger ones a bit later on, but we thought some of these ones need to get attention, because they're often ignored, and, and there is some some play in there and some fun to be had. So I think it's important that we go through them. The episodes will, short, of course, be a bit shorter in time, but I think that's okay as well. We'll just hopefully get to recording and get some more out uh, eventually as we go. That's the plan. Or at least that's mm. the plan we hope to enact. <laughs> Plans always go awry at times, but that's okay. So let's move right into our first segment. Know thine enemy. The Trolls Stone Trolls often dwell in the Misty Mountains, hulking and vicious creatures that relish causing pain to those they encounter. Yet these creatures have one distinct weakness, the sun. Should a stone troll be caught within the sun's rays, they will quickly find themselves transmogrifying into the very substance that the mountain they held from is made of. Bill, Bert and Tom are three such creatures. Venturing down from the mountains further than any stone trolls have done in an age, the three trolls set up camp at the aptly named Troll Shores. Quite how long they have spent in their dwellings remains unknown, but they had managed to build up an impressive hoard of treasure, weapons, including Sting, Glamdring and Elkrest, and of course, gold. The trolls have raided the surrounding areas for food, feasting upon the local people, livestock and whatever else they could get their giant grubby hands on. It is these trolls that the company of Thor and Oakenshield encounter as they make their way towards the Misty Mountains. Rushing out to save their burglar from being scoffed by the squabbling trolls, the dwarves find themselves caught and bagged up by these creatures, ready to be cooked and eaten as well. If it wasn't for Bilbo's quick and clever thinking, the company would surely have perished, for the hobbit's stalling tactics bought enough time for Gandalf to return to the company's rescue, smiting stone and drenching the trolls in sunlight and thus sealing their fate. Okay, know that enemy, the trolls. So, Kylie, we have our three um, three entries for the trolls, and I guess a, a fire as well we could talk about, but that's part of one of the entries. Do you want to go straight into Bill, the boss of the trolls? Yes, I will. So, Bill comes in at 150 points. He has a uh, troll keyword, obviously, a monster keyword, obvious, obviously. Uh, also, he has the infantry and hero keyword. He is a hero of Valor, so, you know, maybe, you know, an Aragorn or a Boromir might want to, you know, throw up a heroic challenge there, but not really uh, that important considering it's a three-man army list. But 
Mm. Stats. That's what we want. That's what we want is, is the stats. All right. So he's a move of six inches. He is fight seven. That's really good. Uh, shoot value five plus. Can come in handy sometimes. Uh, strength seven, defense seven. He has three attacks, three wounds, and a courage of four. He has three might, one will, one fate. So pretty good uh, uh, might, will, and fate there in that department. For Wookiee, he either has a club or a fork that counts as a dagger. So... I'm not sure how a fork counts as a dagger, but, you know, <laughs> dems the breaks. Uh, for heroic actions, he has heroic strike, uh, very good. Heroic strength, eh, not so good. Uh, for options, he has a campfire for 15 points, but as we'll get into later, the campfire has some unique interactions with the army bonus. Uh, the campfire, after forces are deployed, but before the first turn begins, place the campfire anywhere on the board outside your opponent's deployment area. Bill, Tom, and Bert gain the resistance to magic special rule and a bonus of plus one to their courage value whilst they are within six inches of the campfire. So these are really, really important bonuses to be able to get on these trolls. In addition, when you do have the army bonus of just taking the trolls, uh, the trolls also treat the campfire as a banner and it costs no additional points to include it in your army list. So for 400 points, you'll be able to quite easily get the three trolls. For special rules, Bill has Terra, Throw Stones with a range of 12 inches and a strength of 8. So that can come in handy at some t- uh, in some situations. As a monster, he obviously has the Brutal Power Attacks, but he also has his own special Brutal, brutal Power Attack called Minsum Fine. When Bill wins a fight, he may choose to perform a Minsum Fine Brutal Power Attack. Instead of making strikes, choose one enemy model in the fight. Both Bill and the chosen model roll a d6 and add their respective strength values. If Bill rolls higher, the victim suffers a number of wounds equal to the difference, each of which may be prevented by fate, a fate point in the usual way. Regardless of who rolls higher, the victim always backs away. This is a nasty special rule. This is, this is probably one of the most brutal, brutal power attacks in the game. Sorry for the pun. Yeah, it's, it's actually pretty decent. And, and a lot of the troll ones, uh, you'll find other ones. But this one, basically, if you're up against a standard strength 4 hero, you're going to, to look at potentially getting a large amount of wounds. And there's no limit here. You roll a d6 and add the strength values. It's not like it caps out at 10 like some of the other stuff. So you could potentially, if you roll higher than them, you could be doing three, four, five, six wounds, and you could take them out straight away, which could be very good if you have, say, just an untrapped one-on-one duel where you've got three attacks, so you're only getting a maximum of three wounds normally. And because your your strength is seven, and maybe you have a, a, a power attack to rip them apart or whatever, you might be looking at three pluses to wound. So you're probably looking at around about two wounds normally against a hero. So I think if you're going for anything that says strength four or five, this is well worth it. You might have a go at it, try to, to get a monster and try and take him out in one go, especially if they have really high defense. But I think uh, this is really for that, that like um like the dwarf heroes and the ones with high defense yeah. and uh, anything like that that you can just go and wipe them out in one go. I was about to make exactly the same point, Jeremy. I have watched Bill absolutely demolish a Durin off the table simply because he went up to Durin, you know, managed to roll, you know, just a couple of pips higher, get five wounds from Durin, and then suddenly Durin's go goes, bugger, I have to start making magic hat saves because, especially for the heroes that are only three wounds, one fate or lower. 
they are particularly susceptible to being hit by this uh, brutal power attack, and it's a really uh, nice uh, special or brutal power attack to have in your arsenal. So I wanted to ask you, Kylie, with a war gear, you get an option for a club or a fork. Mine's got a fork because that's how I made it before these rules came out and made a difference. What do, what does yours have? I have the fork as well, but most because I wanted the all three pieces of cutlery across all three trolls rather than the uh, tree stumps. Yeah, that's exactly what I did as well. I think it's it's more thematic mm. for it. Uh, honestly, in a game, do you have a preference or it doesn't matter? Uh, I think the uh, the cutlery is better. You are more likely to use the dagger option than you are to use the club option in a game. So clubs are stun, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because you've already got the higher fight value most of the mm. time anyway, and you probably want to kill because you've got the mincer fine and you've got... Um, like rend, and you got hurl, and you got other stuff that you can do to to do some serious damage. So, yeah, I, I I'm the same. I would I would go the dagger just because if you just say say you've got them trapped and you want to use your your double strikes, your six attacks at your strength of seven, rerolling one suddenly becomes really good because you're probably wounding on a four, and then mm-hmm. then rerolling ones is really nice at that point. Yeah, and coming up against you know fight value three and lower troops isn't unheard of. I mean, we've all played that horde goblin army. We've all played against mm. you know mass Rohirrim or you know mass Gondorian tin cans. So having that little extra you know boost to damage up against hordes can be very very useful. He does have one more special rule. This is a special rule that's shared across all three uh, trolls, which is the keep them for later special rule. Uh, if this troll wins a fight, they may choose one man-sized or smaller model from the fight to keep them for later, instead of rolling for strikes or using brutal power attacks. Replace the model with a 25mm marker that repre- represents the unfortunate victim stuffed into a bag. The model there- hereafter counts as being subject to the paralyzed magical power. So, I know that was a very wordy way of saying it, but basically you grab a model, you stuff them in a sack, they become paralyzed. Very, very handy. It's automatic. There is no roll you need to make aside from winning the fight. So, against, you know, heroes, the big end heroes, maybe like an Aragorn or, you know, an Elrond or a Glorfindel, you know, those big tier heroes, this can actually be a, a really handy way of you know, getting past their defenses if you know that you're not going to be able to kill them in a single turn. I find that I use this one on the other trolls more than this guy because the you've got the mints of fine as well. So I, I I don't know. I just I just haven't had an opportunity a huge amount with this one. It feels more like one of the other the lower tier ones, the ones we're going to get to next to, because it's a it's a decent rule for them at times. Because there are times when you just know that okay, I, I might do two wounds and someone might have a fury save going or anything else like that, or I can just throw the paralyze off, make them try to roll that six and then uh, then deal them next turn as well. But it's, I think that's a bit of a gamble because I think they still get a roll to recover before next turn, don't they? Yes, they do. But the way I look at it is that that CC can, can, can be game-changing, particularly if that hero is low on might. Or if they're near a uh, terrain feature that can be particularly detrimental to them, such as, you know, a water terrain feature um, or or (laughs) something like that, where, you know, being paralyzed can be very, very dangerous. And even if you have um, uh, other models around supporting your trolls, if you're using allied contingents, it can be handy as well. 
it's well worth doing for that. You know that first turn uh, hero versus sorry leader versus leader combat where you're going up against something really big like an Aragorn or a, an Elendil or or someone like that, and you both got lots of your stats going. You do the strike off, you both get to ten, and you're just just rolling and hoping. And if you get that fluke win on that one, it's well worth doing just to to buy into it because if you just go for the attacks and don't kill them then they'll come back next turn and, and rip you apart because cause most of the, the guys don't get worse if they get wounded, whereas this makes them significantly worse, and it means that there's there's the heroic actions out of play for the next turn. So something like Aragorn, big difference. It's it's a nice attack to have. I can't complain too much about having that. But what I will complain about, Kylie, is, is a special rule that he used to have, didn't he? He used to be able to get his talking purse to go and warn him when he was being trapped. Yeah, I'm actually really... I was, I was going to bring this up. I'm really disappointed they removed uh, this uh, special rule from um, uh, Bill. I thought this... Um, the talking purse, particularly uh, the fact that he couldn't be trapped, was incredibly important for the three trolls, particularly if you're running them as um, a, so- a solo army, a f- little 400-point army. Yeah. Because being able to have um, Bill running up the side and being the kind of the aggressive troll and being able to recklessly throw him in into spaces is really, really, really handy and was, was a really powerful part of their toolkit. So to lose that... You know, even with all the other stuff that they they kind of picked up and kind of the 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 fixing of the special rules across the three of them that they did, losing that was was almost a, a critical blow. Mm, I think it's a total mistake. I'm going straight out, and I don't think there's any logical reason why you'll take it off. I don't think Bill's a game breaker. Uh, I don't think that that anyone was looking at going, that's that's a busted rule, we've got to get rid of it. I think it's a it's a copy and paste issue and I think it's just disappeared or a formatting issue or something along the way. That's that's my my take on it. I think there's no logical reason to get rid of that. Because it did really play to play to the story as well. Yeah. But it played to to his ability. He had the the highest defense and I know it's equally as high as, as another one, but he can he could go in ahead of your other two trolls and just say, you know what, I'm gonna take four or five guys on and I'll survive it while the others go to work and do their barging or or their heroic power attacks or their hurling or whatever they have to do to to get you the win. So I'm I'm a bit disappointed it's gone and I don't really see why other than than a a mistake because I don't I don't I, see anyone in the playtester going you know what these trolls they're a real worry I think you have to get rid of the talking purse. The only thing I can think of as to why the purse was removed was it wasn't seen in the movies. So that might yeah, but half our stuff's not seen. In the I movies. know that, that's 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 <laughs> that's why. Like like I said, I, I'm 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 stretching stretching for a possible plausible reason. That's that's the only half-assed decent uh, gave it the old college try uh, mm. excuse I can come up with, and even then, it's a pretty weak excuse. Well, you gave it a try, so that I, I approve of that. And look, if, if any of the designers, and, and who knows who worked on it at the time, because I know that there's there's always more than one designer working on it. We don't know who did it at the time. If they want to come and tell us, come and tell us. Tell us why you got rid of the, the talking person and for and, and why you discriminate against persons like that. It's just disappointing. But uh, but no, he's, he's a good troll. He's, I think he's one that, that for, for 150 points, you're getting good value out of him to have a troll with the might there. Strike is very, very handy. You don't want to use it. Like ideally, you'd prefer not to use it. But it's nice there for when you have to go get something really big, and he can take out something that's worth more points than him. So I think that's always a threat. That's a good judge for a big hero or or monster. Is if they can threaten something that's that's a bit more expensive, then yeah, mm. it's something that's worthwhile to look. I at. mean, my first instinct when I, when I look at this guy is comparing him to a troll chieftain, and 
you know, straight up, like, kind of, not, I wouldn't say stat for stat, but as a direct comparison, I would love to take Bill over a Troll Chieftain. That extra point of mine is so, so valuable. Mince and Fine is such an, an egregious, like, damage buff that you can get on a model. <laughs> and, you know, having the campfire on top of it all, there's stuff you can do to play around that, I think is, it's, it's well worth that extra 10 points. And, you know, maybe it's even worth, you know, allying him into, a, into an army list solo just to get that, you know, big base with some real good might behind it as a, as a presence on the table. Oh, he's definitely one you'd consider dropping into another army because it is he he yeah might powered monsters are always very useful just to to be able to pull off some some cheeky heroic combats or some some assassinations. Uh, just be very careful with that minted fine. We tend to talk up the obscure rules quite a lot, and this is one that you have to you have to look at the risk reward as well. Like, there's no you can get zero wounds pretty easily on it. Like, all you have to do is roll a one or a two, mm-hmm. and the other person rolling like something decent, like a four or five or six, and then there's no wounds whatsoever. So you just got to weigh up whether you want to go all in and get the big kill in one go or whether, like, if it's something that you can just whittle down that, say, has less fight value than you, then by all means, just do a couple wounds on it and, and do some damage. So just be be picky about when you use them. Don't always do power attacks all the time. Yeah, 100% agree with that, Jeremy. 100% agree. But I think I think we should move on, Jeremy. What's the uh, next troll we have uh, to talk about? Yep, so the next troll, we've got Bert. Now, I believe, Kylie, correct me if I'm wrong, they've got the photos correct now, is that yes, right? Yes, they have the photos correct yes. and the rules correct now from what is depicted in the movie. So that's a good thing. So someone's made a choice. So yes, so the, the same trolls are in the movie. So we've got Bert, who clearly looks like quite a chef because he's got the apron on. So Bert, for 130 points, you've got a troll, monster, infantry, hero of fortitude, so he's not going to be the leader, which is fine. That's all right. Now, the hero of fortitude is interesting as well because that means that uh, you're not going to be taking him in certain alliances. So he's not big enough to lead himself. So he needs a friend. He needs an escort. So he's moved six, fight seven with a five plus shoot value, which of course you'll throw stones with. Strength of seven, defense of seven, attacks three, wounds three, courage four. Very similar to uh, to Will as well. So And then he's got two might, one will, one fate. Sorry, well, will. I mean, very similar to Bill. He's got a club or a knife, which counts as a dagger. So... Same conversation as before. You can either put the bit of a stick there or you can put some cutlery. His heroic actions are heroic strength and heroic defense. So a little bit different. Bit of character there. He's got terror, of course. He's got to keep him for later, so he can still do that that nice move there. And he's got a different, unique special rule, the power attack, called Roast Him Slowly. When Bert wins a fight, he may choose to perform a Roast Him Slowly brutal power attack instead of making strikes as long as he's within six inches of a fire. Of a fire, not the fire, of a fire. Interesting. Choose an enemy model involved in the fight and place it in base contact with the fire. That model is immediately set ablaze. Now, set ablaze can be really annoying to deal with because it's it's a special rule that does significant damage every, every once in a while. It doesn't do it all the time. But to put it out, you have to basically forego a whole turn because you have to jump on the ground and, and roll around, which is a bit of a pain. So that's something that I think you might use occasionally. Personally, I haven't found a place to do it, but what the nice thing does about it is that it moves the model, whereas mm. putting them in a sack doesn't move the model. So if you had your, your campfire, say, I don't know, in the midst of, of a goblin horde, it might be worth just chucking them on the campfire just so they get surrounded by goblins next turn or get moved away. So that one, tactically, I think has got a lot of choice. Set ablaze is, is nice, but it's not reliable. It's, it's very like 
take it take a guess, hope you get the three plus or the four plus to get the wound. But it also forces the opponent to try and save them. So I don't mind this. I don't mind this at all. Oh, I absolutely love this special rule. Any any special where you're able to move your opponent's uh, models is absolutely gold. I think Centerblaze is really fun. I, I enjoy it from both sides. Like uh, I was playing a game with David just recently, and uh, Sauron was setting me on fire. And there was a real choice of, of do I try to put out the fire and like stay out of the fight for a turn, and then he might even just barge on me and attack me anyway, or do I just go in on fire and just just see what happens, and hopefully I can burn him out before I get burnt out. So I think I think it's a really nice one from a choice point of view. The first attack is is brutal. Like there's a, I think there's a strength 9 yeah. one at the very start. So that one pretty much consistently does some damage. But then you're only copying, what is it, strength 5 strength each turn? Five. Which is, yeah, which is nasty, but it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. And if you've got a couple wounds, you might you might risk it and not put yourself out. So I don't mind that from either way. And I think it's it's a good story point of view. You always get really cool stories with, with this one. So I, I like Bert. Hero Fortitude, probably a clever choice. So you can't just throw a, a campfire in. You've got to take him with... with um, Sorry, I keep getting the names wrong. You've got to take him with Bill if you want the campfire. Or you have to play on a board with fires on them as well. Which I Have you ever seen someone make fires on a board with... As part of the theme, I haven't really... Not really, but I have played on boards with, like, little campfires and stuff on them. Because that would do yeah. it, wouldn't it? Because it says, says a fire. Yes. So a very strange, like, loophole there. I, it's pretty obvious that they mean the campfire that, that comes with the trolls, but I like the fact that you could maybe sneaky if someone's, like, done, like, a little tent diorama piece of terrain or like a little encampment that has a little campfire in front of one of the tents, you probably could, uh, you know, sneaky get Bert in range and then, you know, chuck a captain or a, or a, a striking hero that's it's fluke lost the combat or something like that. Yeah, there's some... some <laughs> get to hold hands with the um, the ruffian hero that makes fires yeah, <laughs> and away you, you go. Yeah, you can do some fun, <laughs> fun stuff with it. <laughs> I don't know if that works and I'll have to check that up later on. And let's have one more, Kylie. Yes, we have Tom the Troll for 120 points. Tom has the Troll Monster Infantry Hero keywords, and he's a hero of Valor. What? Mm. Why is it? Yeah. That's so strange. I would have thought that they would have made all three trolls the same hero level, yeah, weird, or if they're going to make one of them like a, a, like a level up, it would be, it would be Bill. It's, it's just, I just find it strange that he's a hero of Valor. I think it's probably to do with, I don't know, maybe it's to do with the story. Maybe there's something that, that there was um, someone more important in the talking or whatever. Or maybe Bert was just really uh, embarrassingly dumb, I'm not sure, compared to the others, which are just dumb. So, yeah, I don't know either. What, what it does mean is you can you can throw him in another list, which is nice. Yeah, by himself too. So that's, yeah. a, that's mm. a cheeky little while I think you can do that. Anyway, we also have uh, Bawagi. We uh, Sorry, no, stats. Stat line first. Oh, God, mm. Kai, come on. Uh, he's a little bit weaker than the other trolls. He is move six, but he's only fight six, shoot value five plus, with a strength of six and a defense of six. He has three attacks, three wounds, and he's a little bit, a little bit scared, uh, scareder than the other two trolls. He's only courage three. He has one might, three will, and one fate. So obviously we have some sort of will shenanigans going on here in his profile. Mm-hmm. For war gear, we have a club or a spoon, which counts as a dagger. Not sure how a spoon counts as a dagger there. Um, <laughs> someone's clearly been watching some episodes of The Simpsons there and has been playing some Nightmare yeah. Spoonie, but, you know, we'll take what we can get. 
Uh, for heroic actions, he just has the heroic defense, no heroic strength there. For special rules, he has terror and throw stones with a range of 12, strength 8 as the other two, as well as keep him for later. He has two uh, unique special rules to him. The first is called Lingering Cold. During a fight that involves him, before making a dual roll, Tom may spend a single point of will to halve the fight value of a single foe in base contact as he sneezes on his victim. This special rule is absolutely bonkers. It, this is up there with a bat swarm. <laughs> he comes with a built-in bat swarm, which is... Words cannot describe how amazing this special rule is. Uh, I'll quickly go into his uh, last special rule, Squash him to Delhi, and then I'm going to circle back because there are things I need to talk about this special rule. Uh, his last special rule is Squash him to Jelly. Uh, it's a brutal power attack. When Tom wins a fight, he may choose to f- perform a Squash him to Jelly brutal power attack. Instead of making strikes, every enemy model involved in the same fight, not counting supporting models, Suffers a strength 6 hit. Any who survive are also knocked prone. So that is a very handy piece of utility. Particularly if you're up against hordes or models that want to, you know, jump and stack and surround Tom. It basically is insurance that people aren't going to be doing that. Or if they are, they're trying yeah. to go in for the alpha strike. But even when you're going for that alpha strike, that, you know, all in, right, one guy strikes up and tries to take Tom down. He's got that lingering cold. So you know that no matter what happens, he's going to have fight value over his opponent because he's fight 6, even if they strike up to fight 10, they're going to be half down to fight 5. So he's got this weird mechanic where he's pretty much always guaranteed to be high fight value. And that can be a very, very potent thing to have um, at any point in the game. If you have something that is uncounterable, oof, it, it, is, it, is, it is a pain for your opponent to have to deal with. True, but keep in mind that most people go at him with two heroes because he can only do it to a single foe in base contact. So he can only do the one sneeze a turn. So I think that that's the way that, that most of the time you, you deal with him. But it's a really nice insurance for him because it means that if it's one-on-one, he can hold off on that. And you really don't want to use that will unless you have to because it is it is his survival. Once it goes, he's not that hard to take down. He's basically a cave troll in terms of stats. So I think uh, it's really how you use the Lingering Cold. Uh, this is the one that I've used the, the Keep Him For Later one, the Paralyze, because I didn't trust this guy to do the kill in one go. So I, I like to, to sneeze and paralyze and see how that goes. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, I've found that um, he generally gets comboed up with other uh, infantry models in an army, um, particularly if you have some like Ring Race around to do Compel Shenanigans. And stuff like that, you can really do some fun stuff where you, you pull a model out of range, charge in with Tom and another model, and then, you know, get the the um, the lingering call down to enable another model to, to get a coup de grace or something like that. Either, you know, uh, a Morgul Blade from like a Witch King or something, or, or maybe, you know, some two-handed weapons for Prowlers or something like that. Mm-mm. So as we finish this one up, Kylie, I just want to just want to point out that this this army list can be played, and you said it at the start, can be played as an army list at four hundred. So at four hundred points, and and maybe I'm revealing something from our mustering an army segment. But at four hundred points, you can have everything. You can have the three trolls and the fire, and that presents its own challenges, and it's actually quite a fun way of playing it. But most of the time, these guys are going to be an ally. So Kylie, I'm just going to get your opinion on it. Are you? likely to just drop one of these in as an ally or would you drop all three of them what's your thoughts there um i've tried 
both. The Sneezy Troll is probably the most likely of the trolls to be dropped in as an ally, simply because that Sneeze uh, is such such a potent use of utility uh, and crowd control in your list. Um, but running the three trolls as a unit and basically bringing in, say, 350 points, maybe 200 or 400 points from another external army list to back up the three trolls can be a really, really, really fun way of running the trolls. I think that's where the trolls really shine at the higher points levels, is, is not so much using thinking of them as a 400-point army list, but thinking thinking of these extra models you bring in to support their 400-point you know uh, block that they, they uh, provide in an army. And I think the three of them blend each other pretty well uh, together, and once you get in some extra utility models, like maybe like a Barrowite... Um, spiders or bat swarms, these guys can absolutely take off in terms of what they can do on the table. Yeah, they, they, you can you can power them up and, and use them that way. And hopefully later on in this episode, we'll go through different ways we can do that. Okay, let's move on. Time for Keep It Secret, Kylie. And I think for this one, let's start by just going over some of the the brutal power attacks these trolls have. Because I think most of our listeners know that that a troll likes a bit of combat. A troll wants to be in combat, wants to be against a few players and a few guys and just just doing damage. But what damage to do is is always a bit of a debate. And and I know that some people have their favorites. And I want to just talk about where you can use all the different power attacks. So, Kylie, can I get you to start with our old favorite rend? What would you do with a rend? Well, rends, as as we all know, it's there for nuking down those hard-to-kill targets. You know, your big, tough, scary dwarves... um, even some of the uh, old high kings and men, such as an Elendil or an Asildor, these high high defense models that have lots of wounds and lots of fate. This is when you want to be using your rend brutal power attack because being able to cleave straight through, straight through that defense, hitting them on the strength is really really valuable, and it can turn uh, your uh, say four or five to wound into possibly even three to wound. The key to remember here is uh, you use this uh, brutal power attack when you need to guarantee wounds. If you're going for, you know, damage output or getting just the first layer of, of wounds down on a hero, probably best off to strike normally or, or use some other brutal power attacks. But if you actually need to get, like, say, one or two wounds and you know that one or two wounds is going to kill a target, go for the rend because it is going to be way more valuable to guarantee the wounds coming through than it is to, say, go for a risky hurl that, that you know may not get all the wounds that you need uh, to, to land. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. It Basically, uh, you give up the potential for the trap attacks, so, which is always what you want to do, but you've got a very reliable attack. So, you, so most of the time, you're a 3-plus to wound with a rend because you're going up against their strength. Most things have strength 4 or 5 if they're important targets like heroes. Sometimes you'll be on a 4+. plus. You're rarely, rarely on a 5+. plus. Occasionally you are. Watch out for things that have really high strength. You might not might not be worth doing it here. But I think um, I also use it when, if I get a chance at a leader, 
just to pull off that one wound that gives you a victory point, I think it's well worth it at that point. So I'd much rather say uh, push through two almost guaranteed wounds. I know they're not guaranteed at all, rather than go for the, the maximum damage and try to get lucky and do lots and lots. And uh, I wouldn't almost, I don't know, almost never is not, not a good word. I, I rarely swap it for the, the, if I get a choice between double strikes for a, a trap or a, a rend, I'll probably go the more dice um, just yeah. to, for the damage swing. But it, it depends how important it is. If, it, if I know it's going to be one of the last turns and I just really want to guarantee myself a victory point, I think a, 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 um, a rend is a good idea. Uh, just note as well that things that you probably want to use it on, like Vault Warden teams, you can't use it on. They're immune to brutal power attacks. So there are not a huge amount of really high defense things, but mostly it's it's your go-to against dwarves because they usually have a couple wounds in their really high defense or um, sometimes sometimes other uh, nasty characters as well, like you mentioned with the, the Kings of Men or even things like uh, if you're going evil and evil, like a Ring Wraith or some of that, it's probably a nice idea to, to, to rend them. Yeah, I think Ringwraith is is a is a really good example. Even Barrowites, I think, are another good example of characters with high defense, low wounds that you really want to guarantee one or two wounds against to really, really get the 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 hit down. So, Kylie, the next one is Hurl, which is definitely what I'm I mean to say at this point in time. So we have Hurl, where the trolls are, are not bad Hurl options. They get the the difference in strength is pretty good. You're going to have usually a guaranteed two to four inches because of your high strength. The D3 is pretty reliable. It's You can guess where it's going to go. Knocking down a lot of guys is pretty decent. You've got not a lot of choice after you've moved. So all the choice becomes when you've set up the charge to try and get a maximized hurl. But a hurl is, is a good option uh, at times. Uh, what do you think of hurl, Kylie? And what are the dangers in, in overusing hurl? Well... Hell, hell has you run into the problem with hell where it it has a, a high damage like potential. Like if you're gonna hurl through, you know, say three or four guys, yes, you, there is a potential that you can kill, you know, all three or four of those guys plus the guy you threw. So that is going to be always way more damage than you can do from either rending or just striking normally. I think the problem that uh, players get into is that hell is really swingy. What we mean by that is that there will be times where, particularly when you're up against uh, high defense armies like Gondor, Easterlings, Dwarves, you know, stuff where you're looking at most likely sixes to wound the hurled through targets, that you're not actually going to get a wound. And all it's really doing is putting them flat on your ass. So when you're looking for hurls, don't look at Hurl as a way of getting damage down. Look at Hurl as a way of uh, crowd controlling your opponent. Now, I've talked about crowd control and the abilities to, you know, um, control what your opponent's doing. But Hurl is really good at doing this because when you factor in, say, you know, barges and uh, heroic moves and heroic combats and stuff and all these other fun things that you can do with it, Hurl can slow your opponent down enough that you can take on parts of their army at a time. So with the trolls, you really want to look for those early hurls where when you first get into combat, you hurl down the line, you knock over parts of their armies so that they can't, you know, get all of their army in onto bear on your three trolls at once. So use it as a bit of a delaying tactic so that you don't have to, you know, fight every single hero, every single model at the same time. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Hurl, but sparingly, I think, is the way to go. I love it for controlling a hero. 
So one of my favorite tactics is if there's a really, really big, nasty hero around, like an Azog or an Elendil or any of those ilk, I love to just pick up a pleb and hurl it at them and just keep hitting them with that model. Just keep knocking it down, keep knocking them down because it's frustrating. You might get uh, like a bit of chip damage every once in a while, but more importantly, you've got them down where they're in no damage zone. So even, even your Aragorn with the pointy sword and that hates this idea where he's just constantly on the ground. So I think that's a really good use for Hurl. I also love it against the really low defense armies. So we're talking like uh, hobbits, maybe even things like Lake Down where your defense uh, five or lower and just throwing it down the front rank and just knocking down a whole front rank if you can, four or five guys in a row. And then you hit them twice. So you hit them with the Hurl and hopefully you hurt them. And then your, your basic plebs, your goblins or your orcs or whatever else is supporting you can go and attack the ones that are on the ground. So Hurl is, is really good. It's important a lot of times for Hurl, Kylie, is to get, to get it off at the start of the combat phase. So I find Hurl is almost better when you've got priority than when you don't. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. It, and I would even go a step further and say it's probably best uh, in the earlier turns as well because Hurl is one of those those effects where when you can get the lineup and get the charges the way you want them, they end up being more effective than when you otherwise would not. So in the later stages of the game, when there's a lot more models, you know, in and around you, models are start getting trapped and stuff, the combats become a bit more chaotic. Hurl almost drops off a bit in value because it's harder to get the lineups that you want and it's harder to actually get a, a decent Hurl off because the models aren't always going to be in, in you know, nicer battle lines and, and uh, attacking you from one direction. That's absolutely true. Now, I think Hurl, Kylie, I just want to mention just a little bit of tactics that I have with Hurl. Um, with Hurl, always think about having diagonal lines um, and formations with the, your trolls or your monsters anchoring them at the, at the base. So what happens is if you're on the defensive and you've got this diagonal line where, where one end's pushed forward, hopefully anchored up against terrain or something that's not going to let allow the opponent to wrap around, and then then the, the line slowly trickles down towards your side of the board, and at the bottom you've got a troll. And Kylie, I find that most people want to lock down a troll if they can. You don't want to let a troll dance around and do whatever it wants. So, so they find that they, they often charge the troll, and then they've charged your line, so that you've got a point where if you do get a hurl, you've got this nice diagonal hurl right down the line, and it makes it kind of hard to avoid. So it means the opponent, if they are attacking you, has to have some some real thought go into what to do. And uh, I've done this before. I, it doesn't work so well with the trolls, but other monsters that have a high movement as well, you can almost set up those places instead of anchoring there, just have them uh, left in there as well. So I find that's probably my go-to hurl setup, is to force the enemy to to set up the hurls themselves, have these nice diagonal paths where if they want to attack me, they're going to potentially risk a hurl. And it's uh, concerning for them, and it might force them to make a mistake and just not even go in or or go in piecemeal and let me move around. Yeah, no, 100% agree. Mm. And our final one, Kylie, of the, the original three, of the, the primary three, is, of course, Barge. So Barge is... Probably my favorite heroic move in that it gives you extra movement. And I am such a fan of extra movement because, honestly, in this game, movement wins your games. Movement is what controls the game. Movement is what puts you in a position to do everything else you want to do. So to give a monster extra movement, I find, it's, is huge. And it helps you in so many different circumstances. So with Barge, the, the, 
there's two two nice things about it. One, it does disrupt lines quite well. So that three inch pushback means things are going out of the way and they're they're breaking up and they're getting a bit chaotic. You get an extra movement, which is not reliable, between an inch and six inches to go and hunt down something that you really want to kill. So whether there's a banner around or whether there's a little hero around or something else you want to go and engage, you've got the opportunity to do that. Or you've got the opportunity to just keep pushing around and not get held up by the, the one shielding Gondor guy that, that's just being annoying. You can just push them out of the way and just keep moving towards your objective or keep moving with the rest of your army or wherever you want to be to, to keep moving and, and engage in that, Kylie. So uh, I think uh, I would like to hear what, what your key thoughts on barge are and where you like to use it. Yeah, I've always looked at Bard as the bread and butter for monsters, particularly when you're running uh, heavy monster armies like All Eagles, the Trolls, um, armies like this, because what Bard allows you to do is reset an engagement, and being able to reset your engages is super, super important when you don't have a lot of models. So, like you said, Jeremy, when you get pinned by that one model, you can push him out of the way, and then reset, and then charge another two models, but... In particular, it allows you to keep repositioning and almost kite backwards with your monster armies. So you can push models three inches away. You can either then, like, juke, you know, two or three inches to the side or even backwards if you've got enemy models behind you. And it means that when your opponent in the next turn tries to re-engage you, they aren't going to get a full surround on your trolls. And that is so important because when your monsters get trapped and surrounded, they're going to go down. And being able to have a tool that prevents your opponent from being able to trap you, at least for a few turns, is worth its weight in gold. And that is particularly the reason why I call it the bread and butter uh, brutal power attack. Because there is seldom a game when I have a monster where I don't use this brutal power attack. It is that good. I agree with that. I find that if I'm not using it, I'm probably doing something wrong and I probably haven't thought my strategy a, a, too much or, or things are going so well that I don't need to use it. But it, it's definitely something I want to get in there because I want to move these trolls around to, to get an assassination on valuable heroes. Now, it might not be the leader. It might not be the most powerful hero, but it might be just go kill a captain or go and, and I don't know, rip apart a, a drummer or a... a um, whatever those whip guys are, the taskmasters, all these sort of guys, you want to go kill them as soon as possible. Shamans, anything that, that goes and helps out. And barge is your number one go-to to go get them because a hurl is hard to line up exactly right and also only does the one wound, whereas this can potentially get the three attacks going right back at them at high strength. That can that can cause a lot of problems. So I think barge is really, really important. And I think with a barge, if you can set it up so that if you roll a one, you still get a nice target. I think you're doing well because I like to have a thought of what do I do when I get a six? Where am I going? And where do I go when I get a one? And if I, if I have both those things planned, I know that I'm probably going to use my barge effectively. Mm, and like there, there are other little tricks with the barge that you, you need to take in consideration as well. Because like I said before, that you have that three-inch uh, pushback that can buy you space, but it can also disrupt your opponent in more than just putting them three inches away. You can send them into terrain. You can send them over a, a cliff. You can use the barge to put models in front of your opponent's uh, key heroes to prevent them from, say, calling heroic moves and being able to charge into your, your big scary trolls. There are so many applications for barge, and that's kind of what, you know, like, hearkening back to our, you know, well-designed uh, rules episode... This is one of those well-designed rules. It has such a, a broad skill expression for players to, you know, come up with their own strategies and, and figure out how they want to use it to position their models that 
I think you'd be a fool not to to really get your get your mind around how barge works because barge is is what's going to separate a a good player from a great player. If there was only one power attack on the monsters that that I was allowed to keep, if I, if that was my choice for some reason, I don't know. I don't know how the situation happens, but hypothetically, if that happens, barge would be the one that I keep. It's it's the one that I think adds the most to the monsters, and I also think it's probably the most balanced one as well. In that it's not totally game breaking. It has the the downside that you don't know how far you're going to go, and it's no damage on the first attack. So it does help your opponent out a little bit as well. So once again, if you over barge you might end up causing yourself some problems because you're not getting any kills. So you just mm. got to be careful about how much you you go and attack. Sometimes it's okay as, as a troll player or a monster player to just get the kills. Just kill a couple guys. That's all right at times. So so if you don't have a good barge target, don't be afraid to not use it. Mm. Particularly when you're up against high defense armies where sometimes you know barging and resetting um, can be at your detriment because you're not then being able to use your other brutal power attacks like Ren, which can be really important when you're up against, say, dwarves and stuff, where thinning out their numbers early is uh, extremely important. So always keep in mind of where you're barging to, and if you don't have a, a, a good legitimate reason to barge, don't barge, because uh, it can put you in more tr- in more problems. And, you know, to be honest, also gives your, gives your opponent uh, another round for you to lose a combat and maybe get a sneaky win through. Exactly. Yeah, more combats is not always a good thing. It's more dice, there's more chance of failure there. So now we move on to the specific power attacks of the trolls, Kylie. And let's start with the the one they all have. Keep them for later. So with this one, they choose a man size or smaller model. So pretty much we play this anything on a 25 mil base, essentially, or, or smaller, from the fight. And then instead of strikes or the brutal power attack which is interesting because this is a brutal power attack, replace the model with a 25mm marker that represents them stuffed in a bag. Uh, we usually just put a paralyzed token next to them. We usually don't replace them with a bag, but it's just kind of cool to do that. That looks like fun. And then they count as being the subject to paralyze. So for this one, I assume that you still get the pushback because that happens before the strikes. Yes. Uh, is that right, Kyle? Yep. So you yeah. push them back and then one model gets replaced with it. So there's potential for there's still to be a friend in base contact or even two friends or three friends if you're unlucky to try and revive them. But Paralyze is like the best spell effect in terms of neutralizing a model. So this definitely has some value. Kylie, I want you to talk about when you would use this one. All right. So when you have big, scary enemy heroes that you know you're not going to be able to knock out in a single turn and they have way too many resources at their disposal for you to deal with appropriately now... That is when you're going to drop the big old keep them for later and the fat paralyze. So we're talking about something like a Boromir of uh, Gondor, even a Boromir Cat of the Light Tower. We're talking Aragorns. We're talking Azogs. We're talking these big high-end heroes that are hard to take down in a single turn and that you're better off, you know, going in, getting the paralyze down and then forcing them to spend their resources to try and get them... Uh, back up. So another op- a model that I, c- I can think of off the top of my head that would be really good against would be something like a Hasharin, who has a lot of fate, good wounds, um, but low might, uh, particularly. So their ability to get back up off their back can be really detrimental and it can be very difficult for your opponent to do so. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, the, the lots of resources. I, I tend to go anything that has yeah lots of, lots of resistance power. So if they've got that combined uh, wounds and 
uh, fate of like over four. And I don't, I'm not confident in taking them out in a turn. I think this, this paralyzer is not a bad option, especially if you've got some support going around as well. Because the nice thing about paralyze is suddenly your weakest model in the game can go into them and, and have a good chance at, at hurting a paralyzed model. So your control can do something else as well. So this is particularly good for, for allies and things. Sometimes it's better just to hurl them or kill them. But I think uh, the, the nice thing about Paralyze is it does force your opponent to start rolling dice and start spending resources. So it can take down things like Boromir's Might pretty quickly and more effectively than you would otherwise. I, I don't have a huge amount of, of luck with this one. I find that most of the time that I, I use the Get the Troll going, I'd rather do a Barge or just kill the model. But a Paralyze for those those big tanky models, just to take them out of the game, can be pretty useful mm. as well, and, and just to force the, the break of the line. I like it's on there. It's nice and thematic. I I almost wish you could choose where to place the the actual Paralyze model as well. So mm. if you could like put it into a sack, and instead of just dropping the sack on the model right where it is, just pick up the model and chuck it behind you, I think that would be a huge difference and make it so much more useful just to be able to say, I'm going to grab that captain out of the front of the lines and then put it behind me paralyzed. That could be really nasty. Yeah, it can it can be extremely potent. I'm actually thinking of a game that I have played with the uh, trolls recently where I managed to... Uh, I knew I didn't have the stats to take on a Thrandall that I was up against and managed to grab the Thrandall, stuff him in a sack... And then force him to be paralyzed in the next uh, three turns, I think it was. Um, you know, rolls a one or and two on, on the first turn and then, you know, has to spend a point of might on the third. But that space that allowed me gave me, you know, an extra two to three turns to fight the other elves, um, clear some of them out so that when Thrandall did get up, he only had a couple of mates around him to, to, to help uh, fight off the trolls. And that can be invaluable. Um, in in trying to win a game, yeah, that's a good example. That that army that that relies on one hero doing heaps of the work, just having them out for a couple turns can be enough as well. And that's look, that's what paralyzed usually does. Sometimes it's fantastic. Like if they're unsupported and they're all off on the flanks or whatever, by all means, have a go at this. Like if you've got a a scouting force and you, you come up against a hero, paralyze it. Let your I don't know your giant spiders or your your goblins or whatever, just go and tackle it next turn. You're going you're gonna to get some good reward for that one as well. So I think it's got its uses. It, it's nice to have, but I think this is one of those those uh, moves that oftentimes the scare factor is, is worse than the actual result. So this one I love to use for my psychology tactics where I'll remind the opponent of it quite a bit and just say, just say, do you know that these guys have a special power attack and explain it lots and lots just to make the opponent fear it? Because I think it, the fear effect is almost more useful than the actual result a lot of the time. Yeah, agreed. Mm. Next one. Next one, we have a Bill specific. So this is called Mince and Fine. So when Bill wins the fight, he can basically do a, a strike uh, that relies on you rolling a D6 and adding your strength value. And then if Bill's ahead, you cop the amount of wounds of the difference, which could be quite large. And if Bill loses, there's no, there's no downside except that they back away so it's just like you've missed your attacks so this one is it seems to me like a pretty decent alternative to rend because oftentimes with rend kyle you're going against something strength because it's got lowest strength so with bill it's like oh i could rend them and then have a shot for three wounds or i could do this and then have a difference of strength of maybe two or three so there's already a head and then if i'm able to roll reasonably well 
uh, I can probably pull four or five wounds in, in a chance. Now, it doesn't always happen, but this seems like a pretty decent option. It seems quite a corner case in that uh, it, you have to set it up. You have to be going against something that has multiple wounds. Uh, you wouldn't really probably bother with something with two wounds, but something that had, had four wounds or lots of fate might be a good option. Have you ever used this one, Kylie? Yeah, a number of times, as a matter of fact. Um, this, I found, is a really good special rule for bursting down um, hard-to-kill targets. Uh, most recently, I used it to one-shot an Aemir. Uh, which was really, really fun. Managed to get in, charge Amy, win the strike off. And I knew that, you know, with gambling around and with uh, how, how Rohan tends to fight, I needed to get rid of Amy off the table as soon as possible. He was one of uh, two strikers in the army, so I really needed to make sure that the Rohan was limited in their options. So I, I looked at it and went, well, there's a difference strength in three. If I can manage to get one or two pips higher than my opponent, that that's going to be enough for me to to, to kill Amir. And you know, the Minsum farm came through. I got five wounds. I rolled a five, and my opponent rolled a I think it was a one or a two, and it was enough to just basically one shot uh, Amir. So when you're using this special rule, and you need to kind of look at your opponent's army in that regard, and if they're coming at you and they look like they're about to overrun you or they're about to just absolutely knock you out of the fight, this is one of those special rules that can turn a losing game into a winning game. And that's what I really like about it because it can switch the game up so, so quickly. And the fact that it's on Bill, which is your kind of your your high fight troll with Strike, and he has the three might, so you can almost guarantee the, the uh, combat win there. Being able to leverage this advantage... Uh, in situations like that can, can as I said, can be, can be game-changing. Yeah, it's definitely a, a pretty powerful option. And uh, I don't really, as an opponent, I don't want this coming against me. I'm going to do whatever I can to avoid losing a fight of my heroes to build. Because the idea that, that even some of the strongest models in the game, like not all of them, the Smaug is obviously going to take a couple turns to get taken down with this. But even something like a, like a Sauron level, this is not... It's not something that you just like brush off and have a laugh at. Like the the opportunity to take off um, a number of wounds in a turn is, is pretty scary. And and I just you know those those really swingy rolls where um, I'm rolling for my hero or whatever, and I roll a two and you roll like a five, and then it's just gone. Take it off in one turn. That that's it's a scary thing. It reminds me a little bit of like a Morgul Blade type effects, isn't it? Where yeah. it doesn't happen all the time, but but the the pure damage potential is is insane, yeah. and you're gonna remember when it happens. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's the key to take away from here. It's it's not your it's not it's not a move that you use when you're ahead. It's a move when you're when you need when you're behind or you're even and you really need to to manufacture an advantage. That's what this this special rules is designed to do. Because if you're ahead, you're not you're not going to risk losing a, a turn worth of strikes, mm. to, to and possibly throw the game away. You, you're just going to go in, and go bop bop take two guys off the table but when you're you know you're down you haven't got many kills and, and your trolls are low on resources yeah go for the mince and fine and alerts you know go for the mince and fine on um you know the enemy birder or or the enemy aragorn that's in combat with you because if you do get that swingy roll when you're when you are behind and when you are about to lose a game it as i said it can it can swing it completely on its head Absolutely. Okay, so we've got two to go, Kylie. First one is Bert's uh, Roast Them Slowly. So this one, I know you like this one. This is the one oh, where yeah. that if Bert wins a fight, 
you can, instead of making strikes like all power attacks, uh, you can put him to a fire that he's, he's within six inches of. So you, you basically choose the model and you place it in base contact with the fire. Now, it doesn't say which side of the fire either. It just says uh, a fire that he's within six inches of. So potentially you could flip him around like seven to eight inches away if you're really lucky. And then that model is set ablaze as well. So you've got that, that annoying rule where you get you get a hit for being set ablaze. You can potentially get the, the strength five each turn. But to put it out, you have to go to the effort of, of rolling around and and put it out, which I really love. I actually like this mechanic a huge amount. So, Kyle, you've had some some fantastic uses with this one. Obviously, the way to go is to, to have the fire in your army as well. So pay the points to get the fire in or get it for free with the, the army bonus and then just start chucking models into the fire. Uh, Kyle, can you give me some, some notable times when you've used this to, to good effect? All right. Well, I've, I've got two notable moments that I absolutely love. So the first one was when I was up against... Remember when Kiran was absolutely disgusting. Like, you would see him in every other list, and he was really annoying, while well, I was up against a Gondor army, and they had a Kiran in the army. And I'm like, right, this guy is getting thrown on the fire. So I managed to use those barge, brutal power attacks, managed to get in close to Kiran, and eventually I got a charge off on Kiran. I managed to pick Kiran up, and then throw him eight inches across behind me, over my shoulder, Onto the fire, and then had the basic Bob Orcs, the Spectres, and the Barrowite that I had allied into the army list basically trap, surround, and then kill Kiran. It was a huge power move. Being able to take away uh, my opponent's aura of command in a in a in a game where Terra was a fairly big deal, as well as getting rid of their ability to get Enchanted Blades down on, say, their Barmy or the Kiran, was incredibly important for me. Not to mention not having to take Courage Test myself with the Trolls to Charge into the Gondorians because of the Aura of Dismay. So looking to, to move Auras around and get rid of the high-priority targets that have AoE effects, like, uh, say, for instance, uh, King Alessar's uh, banner rerolls or Suladan's banner or any of those, maybe even the the, the um, Master of Late Towns uh, or AoE effects to give the Late Town plus one or whatever, getting rid of those effects and placing them somewhere else and basically knocking them out of, of the game is incredibly important, even if you don't get the kill. The second use I've had for it is the is the kind of the more of the set ablaze part of the special rule. One of the things that I like to do um, at the start of the game was when I place my fire, look for like a little nook or cranny, a little corner, the corner of a building, and you can basically set it up so that when you place the fire, your opponent isn't going to have much... Um, spaces to go if you grab a model and throw them into that corner so kind of putting baby in the corner as it were and getting those strength hits on repeat and really kind of letting the set of blaze special rule uh burn and tick down an opponent can be really really handy because if you can get the corners lined up in just a way you can basically have a model and in my case it was a boromir of gondor grab him throw him onto the fire, and then leave only just a big enough gap for one infantry base to slip out through between the fire and a wall, and then use an Orc Warrior to basically just pin Boromir every turn, and just keep letting that Strength 5 hit do its work. And eventually, after four turns, Boromir dropped dead from uh, being set on fire, because you never had a chance to lay down and roll, roll out the fire. That's just dirty and mean, Kylie. I know. Isn't it great? 
It is. And uh, your opponent should never have let that happen. That's ridiculous. So it's only the one particular troll that does this one, but it, it can be it can be very nasty to be able to put that on the fire. I do like that it's got some interaction with the fire as well, because, look, the fire is already in the list, does some good things, but to be able to throw things on the fire, this is what I want these trolls to be doing. It's very thematic and... and imposing and scary and that's what the troll should be so i don't i don't mind it too much it can be quite devastating but all these power attacks can be pretty devastating the ones that they get the special ones uh it takes a bit to set up i do love your aura getting rid of one for it i think that's probably the go-to for me for it so grabbing a shaman grabbing a kid and grabbing anyone that has a bubble and just throwing them on a fire and just reducing that bubble effect is going to be very very useful and if you kill them that's a huge bonus as well. So I, I like this one. I really do like this one. And we've got one more Kylie, and that's Squish Him to Jelly. And this one, uh, uh, it feels feels a bit like a, a bit of a, a psychology tactic as much as anything as well. So we've got, when Tom wins a fight, he may choose to perform the Squash Him to Jelly power attack instead of making strikes. And every enemy involved in the same fight, not counting supporting models this time though. So just the ones touching his base suffer a strength six hit, which is pretty good. Strength six is nice. Any who have survived are knocked prone. That's also pretty good. So knocking a bunch of people prone, that could be useful even if you don't have a huge amount of models nearby. But this one, I I just haven't had a lot of chance to use this. Most of the time, I find with Tom, people know full well and they don't throw all their models in. Or if they do throw all their models in and I, there's a chance to use it, they just go and kill him. So what did, what have you found of this one, Kyle? Have you got a, a good use for this one? Mm, um. It's more of a deterrent. So uh, I always look at this special rule as this two-way supplier. You can either have it as your Yu-Gi-Oh! trap card and just not mention it. You know, when you're pulling out the books, you, you, you have your hand, you know, partially covering over the text so your opponent doesn't see it when you're explaining the special rules. Or you hype up his lingering coal and don't worry about the other special rule. It's not there. It doesn't exist. And basically let it try and fly under the radar so that when your opponent does go stacks on on Tom you can kind of sneaky pull it out and then do, you know, maybe five, six, maybe even seven strength six hits on uh, uh, opposing models. The other way to play it is let your opponent know about it. Tell them all the time, hey, I've got this special rule that is basically a superpowered her- uh, well um, that doesn't lower my fight value and allows me to hit all your models. And then it forces your opponent to play differently, even if they don't intend to. So they're not going to be throwing lots of models in. And they're only maybe going to be throwing one or two models at a time at Tom, which is perfect because he has a lingering cold. He can sneeze, lower opponent's fight value, and then absolutely go to town on him. He, Tom is fantastic in one-on-one combats. So the lingering cold squish him to jelly kind of works as this kind of um, symbiotic relationship because they help Tom do what he does best, which is get into one-on-one combats. And at the same time, if your opponent decides, bugger that, I'm not letting you have one-on-one combat. Well, I have something else in there to be able to uh, um, fight against the, the horde of goblins or uh, Lake Town or whatever that's running into me. Yeah, that is true, actually. It does does power up the uh, the other one, which I really like his sneezy stuff. So that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. And the, the prones are, I think, a sneaky good thing as well. Just sometimes putting models prone is a really nice thing as well and, and deal with them later on. So I, I don't mind this one. I just find that because Tom, um, I find that his best use is just to go one-on-one with a hero, sneeze on them, and then try to kill them. I find that I don't use the squish into jelly a whole lot. I, most of my setup is getting Tom one to one because I don't want lots of guys into him because then you get the potential for the double strike and that's that's not fun because then with these uh 
He's got the slightly low defense, doesn't he? Or no, yes. he's not. Yes. yes, he is. So he's one that, that tends to die and get flash killed more so than the others. So my whole tactic with Tom is to make sure that he never gets to that point where there's lots of guys around him. But you're right. This move does help that because if I friend... If, and when we say remind your opponent, we, we mean in the, the nicest way possible. Just just so you know, I don't want to surprise you too much, but this guy has the ability to do a strength six hit and knock prone every single model in contact with him. Um, I just don't want to surprise you with that. That's the kind of the strategy you put that in there and just remind them because you don't want to win through a sneaky trick like them not knowing about the rule, and, unless you do. But at this point, you don't because you want them to, to avoid that at all costs. And the, the time it does come off, the time when someone surrounds him with a whole bunch of, of guys and then he squishes them all, that's going to be stuff of legends as well. So make sure that, that when that does happen, you remind all your opponents of that time it did happen. Yes, I've only ever managed to have it pulled off once, and my opponent willingly walked into it too. They're like, well, this is going to be the last turn. I need to run in. I need to, to get rid of Tom off the table so I can um so I can fully capture this objective. And ironically enough, my opponent threw all of his goblins into Tom. Tom then jumped up and down uh, in combat with about, I think it was eight goblins, and then the the best part about it was killing six of them caused my opponent to break. <laughs> oh, that's that's impressive. Good stuff. Yeah, it would be. Uh, I can imagine if it was on the spears as well. That would be really scary. But I look. I don't mind this one. I think it's nice and thematic. But it's definitely not my go to. And it's one that I find that you don't. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kylie. But it doesn't feel like I have a lot of control over it. It feels like it's one that yeah. that. Um, when it happens, it happens, but it's almost like a, well, I've also got this one. It's not me actively setting it up and, and letting it go. Yeah, I think it would be a little better if it could hit Spearman um, as well, just just to add some options for you and f- make choices on your opponent as, as to whether or not they're, they're going to, you know, rank up instantly. Because even if you charge into two models, then your opponent has to suddenly make a choice of, do I throw two spearmen in to support this combat or not? Because I know that my opponent can can strike and, and stuff like that. But as it stands, it's it's honestly it's fairly easy to play around. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's you don't mind having it. It's it's definitely there. It's definitely something to use and and use it. It's something something decent. Okay, uh, so Kylie, just uh, the next thing I want to do for the the keeper secret, I want to make sure we talk about how to keep our trolls going right until end game. Because what I find a lot of people using these monsters, they they tend to go out with a bang. They go, they they have good resources. First couple of turns, they use them all. They do a whole bunch of damage and then promptly get killed because the opponent really does want to kill them and taken out, and they don't tend to last that long. Or if it's towards the end of the game, they tend to go and flee and, and run away. So, Carly, what can you do to keep your trolls effective for a whole game, which is sort of ideal for a troll player? Well, the first thing is managing their resource. You've got to treat their might, will, and fate like it's gold. Because, you know what? It basically is. It is their lifeblood. Once your trolls are, are low on their resources, so it's might for Bert and Bill, and it's will for Tom... They start. They're gonna to start to get to get her. And basically, when you hit the the end part of the game, you know, turn six or seven, you want to make sure that your your trolls have a couple of of might and will points left available to them. Because one of the things you kind of need to to get your head around with the trolls is they are still trolls. You need to learn which combats that you're going to accept the loss in and take the wound hit back, and which combats that you need to win and throw the might to actually get the 
the combat win there to, to get your strikes through. And being able to tell which combats are, are, are okay uh, okay to lose and okay to win is is absolutely essential in being able to pilot these three models effectively. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so Kylie, first of all, let's just give an example. Um, when when they're on their own, when they're totally unsupported, when it's just the three trolls, how do you keep them going and not get not get it taken out? All right. First of all, you want them in coherency with each other. Now, most other times when we talk about coherency, we're talking about within six inches for coherence. But for these guys, it's it's even less than that. Honestly, it's probably about one to two inches. Basically, the width between their base. Um, being not big enough to fit a, an enemy enemy uh, infantry model through because you don't want a model uh, an enemy uh, an opponent to sneak a model past them and get them trapped. So, being able to keep them close together means that you can barge and hurl to help out the other trolls. So you know maybe you know maybe Tom's get gotten into a bit of trouble. There's a couple of uh, heroes that we strike that are into him and he can only sneeze one of them. Well, it's a good thing that we have Bill nearby who can then. Barge, even her at combat to call a barge, and then go peel off one of those heroes to prevent your troll, one of your trolls from being taken down. So looking for those options to be able to support each other is really important um, in that regard. So always look to, to have them almost, not, not totally touching, but maximizing their whole bait width and using their, their sheer size on the table, the sheer amount of space and real estate they take up, to prevent your opponent from getting in around and um, one trapping and two being able to uh, pick on one of the trolls uh, unfavorably. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And now, what if you've got a, a bunch of friends as well? So, how does it, does that make it easier or harder to do, Kylie? What do you think? Well, having extra models on the table is always going to make it easier for the trolls. But there is a, a kind of a thing you need to keep in the back of your mind. If you've got, say, a bunch of, say, orcs from Angmar, for instance, maybe you have a Barrowite and a Ringwraith kicking around that are helping out trolls, you need to make sure that your trolls uh, are looking after the little rank-and-file troops. Because if there's little troops for your opponent to pick on, they will go after them, break, quarter you, before your trolls can really get going. So you almost want to play this relationship where your trolls are kind of at the front. They're the tip of the spear. But around them, they've got all these support pieces in place. So ready to peel off enemy models, preventing them from being trapped, but not straying too far away from the trolls, that the trolls can't then barge and then, you know, go into a hero that's looking to maybe burst or, or, or take down a whole bunch of your troops. So always look for using these little troops to, to peel... To, to help ease the burden off your trolls, but don't have them fighting the front line. Keep them, you know, just behind or to just to the sides of your trolls to help peel them off. And the other added bonus is it allows you to break up your trolls so that they don't have to fight so closely together because you've got other troops like orcs and stuff to help peel. So I think the key point here is just to make sure that, that you get the peeling action going really well. And you've got to remember that the trolls can do that by things like sneaky hurls and barges and other models can do it just by engaging. So sometimes sending a, a goblin or an orc just to die to someone next to a troll, worth it. Even if they go and call the heroic combat off your little guy, who cares? It's, it's extra resources that are gone. And if they're calling a heroic combat, they're probably not going to end up striking in the same turn against a troll. So you've got a good chance of winning that combat as well. So, 
So keep them safe. Keep them going to the end of the game. Don't let them get everyone attacking them and taking them out. None of them now have secret purses. None of them have talking purses. So don't let them get trapped in lots of attacks against them. Yes, yes, absolutely. Being trapped is is basically the lights out for the troll. You cannot, cannot, and I cannot stress this enough, cannot let your trolls get trapped. If they get trapped, they are going to go down. I don't care how good and how lucky or how hot your dice are rolling in a game. Once you're trapped and surrounded, it lowers your mobility, it increases your opponent's damage output, and gives them so many less options to be able to fight their way out of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Kyle, anything else we want to say in our tactics for the trolls? Uh, no, I think uh, I think the allies and stuff we can talk about when we get into army lists. Yeah, let's give some examples of them. Okay, let's move on. Scenario Spotlight. Roast Mutton. Having set off from the Shire to begin their quest to the Lonely Mountain, the company of Thor and Oakenshield has stopped in the region of Troll Shores to make camp and take rest. However, unbeknownst to the dwarves, some of the ponies that have carried them have gone missing. When Bilbo, Killy, and Philly search for their missing steeds, they happen upon the camp of three monstrous trolls who have captured their ponies with the intent of feasting on them. In an effort to rescue the distressed creatures, Bilbo sneaks into the trolls' camp to set them free. Yet as he does so, he is unwittingly grabbed by a cold-filled troll who uses him as an impromptu handkerchief. Bilbo suddenly finds himself in the clutches of the three trolls, who have now set about deciding how best to cook and eat him and any other burrow hobbits that may be lurking nearby. Yet as the trolls are about to seal Bilbo's fate, Killy bursts through the foliage, catching them off guard and commanding them to release their prisoner. Following Killy, the rest of the company throw themselves into a swirling melee in order to rescue Bilbo from a miserable death. So Roast Mutton is our scenario spotlight. We're using the version from the Armies of the Hobbit, which I believe is the current version of this. We've seen it before, and the big difference from this version compared to the past is that we're now on a 2x2 board, which is exactly what I think we suggested early on, because the original 4x4 board was silly, didn't quite work. So 2x2 board makes, makes a bit of a difference here. It takes place in the Trolls' camp, in the Troll Shores, of course. Place the campfire in the middle of the board, great, and around the edge of the board there should be a few trees and pieces of woodland terrain representing the surrounding forest. Now it gets pretty tight in a 2x2 board, but you definitely want a bit of terrain here, it looks really cool. So we place uh, starting positions, we take the three trolls within three inches of the campfire, and then the good player places Bilbo within three inches of Bill, and places Killy touching the edge of any board edge. Any board edge. Sorry, touching the center of any board edge. The rest of Thorin's company will be available later, and as it turns out, very soon later. So this is a good time to go through participants. So it's pretty much what you expect. Participants for good are Thorin, Killy, Philly, uh, Balin, Dwalin, Biffa, Bofa, Bomba, Ori, Nori, Dory, uh, Oingloin, Bilbo. And they don't get Orcrest or Sting, and there's no ring. Now, Kylie, correct me if I'm wrong here, but well, the last time we saw this, didn't we have lots of like trademarks or anything like that after each of the yes, names? Yes, there there was. I've actually no like that twinge in my head as well, particularly after the ring, and like Orcrest and Sting usually have a TM after it. 
the fact yeah. that they're, yeah, it's just, it's just it's so it, good. It, How good's that? Yeah, it almost feels weird not to see it now. Well, we made so much fun of that. We we made fun, like this one. I feel someone's gone in and done some editing, which is which is impressive. And I, I doubt they've listened to us about that. That that seems a bit far fetched. But they've they've chosen the same things to improve on that we wanted to improve on. So the the four by four board to a two by two and fixing up all those stupid names and getting rid of trademarks and and things. So clearly they can do it, and they didn't didn't lose the rights from it. So that's great. Don't do that ever again. Don't put those trademarks in there. Now get rid of the dwarf. We know they're dwarfs. Get rid of Killy the dwarf, Philly the dwarf. Just put Killy Philly in. Thank you. And now for evil, we get Bill the troll, Bert the troll, Tom the troll. Now we know what I want to fix up there as well. So it's exactly what you think. It's everyone. It's a good starting setup. And this is a scenario that I think a lot of people... Uh, take as their first scenario because the participants are so good and it's so iconic. So the objectives, dwarves are trying to rescue Bilbo by slaying the trolls and the trolls are after a meal. So the, the Thorin companies win if they can kill all the trolls before daybreak. Pretty easy to do. Trolls win if all the members of the Thorin's company are slain or stuffed into sacks before the sun comes up. Very hard to do. The game is a draw if when the sun rises, all of Thorin's companies are not dead or in a sack or if the trolls are not dead. So if that hasn't happened. Um, if Bilbo's slain, the best result the good player can achieve is a draw, and that's probably your best bet as an evil player. Special rules, there's a couple of them. The dawn will take you all. At the end of the sixth turn, the sun will rise. However, Gandalf will still need to sunder the rocks to allow light through. So six turns we've got sunrise, but there's rocks blocking it. At the start of turn seven, and each turn thereafter, roll a d6. On a four plus, the rocks are broken. The sun comes up. So the game's endings, turn seven, eight, nine, something like that. Hmm. I said drop him. At the end of a good player's first move phase, roll a d6 for each member of Thorin's company not on the board. On a 3+, plus, they enter the board from the point that Killy was deployed. So they all come at the same spot. That's nice. I don't know if it was always that case, but that's definitely the case now. Any dwarves that do not arrive will enter from the same point at the end of good player's second move phase. This is too weak, but that's, that's okay. And then a Borough Hobbit. The trolls may not make strikes against Bilbo into the start of the third turn or until Bilbo charges one of them. They're trying, Kylie. They're trying to fix it. They're trying to, but they still haven't. No, no, they haven't at all. And look, these are steps in the right direction, but Thorin's company in this one come on way too quickly and they just overpower the trolls easily. I don't know why they've got Gandalf in the picture of it. That's interesting. But they they just come in and the trolls are okay one-on-one. They can take on one dwarf, a troll. That's fine. But once you get two or three of Thorin's companies into a troll, suddenly things like the sneezing doesn't work anymore. You can start getting Bill trapped and, and hurt him out. You can just start out-dueling them. And you've got enough strikers around that you can, you can ha- take them out. So I, well, I, I have... It's not even just, like, the strikers that become the problem. It's, it's just the raw combat ability. Like, yeah. Okay, yes, you know, Thorin's company have a limited amount of resources, but the moment they win one one combat, it's just like, right, you know, say you have two members of Thorin's company, and say you have, like, a Gloin and, I don't know, a, a Biffa, that's four, five points of might you have behind your attack rolls. You can, you will quite happily throw a point of might away to get a wound on the trolls, because realistically, you only need to do about, you know, 10, 11-ish wounds across the uh, across the across all, all three of the trolls and then they're done so every time you get a wound in that's that's a, that's a step towards your victory condition and once you factor in the fact that you know you have a slingshot you have a bow you have a couple of throwing weapons you can chip wounds in you know in a couple of other cheeky ways and, and basically kill kill the trolls before they even you know really get a chance to, to pressure you 
pressure your uh, dwarves. Yeah, it's trivially easy for the for the dwarves. If you're if you're a semi confident uh, dwarf player, it's really easy. So this is either a training scenario, like literally, how do you use Thorin's company and give them something easy to practice in, or it's it, it's an obvious win. So Kylie, I've been playing it recently, and and by recently, I mean probably months ago at this point. And I we um we made some changes. Now I don't think these even go far enough, but they make it a much more interesting game. So have have you braced yourself? Are you ready to hear our changes? I'm holding on to my table, Jeremy. Fire okay, away. okay. I, 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 I knew you'd be excited about this because I want this scenario to work. I, it's so cool, but it's so bad. So, first one. Trolls get a free sack per win or a squish to jelly power attack if they want. So, every troll, if they win a fight, they get that power attack in addition to their other strikes and things. So, so someone goes in a sack and then you can start beating up someone else. So, you're suddenly threatening two dwarves a turn instead of just the one. So, that's the first one. Trolls winning a fight. It's now a little bit scarier. They can put people into sacks. What do you think? I don't mind it, but I want to see what else you've got. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, get, I'll, I'll go through them all. But uh, the reason we did that one was because we found that in this scenario, no one ever got put into sacks. So, because tro- you have to take the dwarves out of action to try and do that. You can do wounds and spread them around and potentially take out two dwarves a turn. The sack basically means that they get revived instantly because there's so many dwarves around. So that we wanted to we wanted to have dwarves in sacks. So that means every combat you win, sacks. Great. D three reinforcements per turn for the dwarves instead of everyone coming on second turn. So a lot less dwarves coming on. One to three coming on a turn. Mm. So that that's that's the next one. So Achilles starts on and then you get D three. You can choose them if you want, but it's D three of them. So a lot less reinforcements. And we've got an additional rule that, that's part of that. Bomber counts as two. <laughs> and then the next... <laughs> he, he has to. Like, that's the whole story. He has to count as two. And then we've said that the campfire gets the full army list special rule one. So the campfire counts as a banner. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that one. So that's that's the main changes. And honestly, that made a huge difference. Hmm, I, I feel like the, the free sack might be a bit too extreme. But like, thinking about it, kind of as, as an aside like just kind of like imagining the math in my like the head and how the combats would land i think it might be it might be appropriate enough for for this scenario we played it about uh three or four times with those rules after we tried it and just was thrashing we i don't think the trolls ever got a win still but it was always interesting games where you'd have multiple dwarves in yeah. sacks trying to fight their way out and that was interesting because suddenly you had to fight some combats with the dwarves that they didn't necessarily want to fight. So you had to fight like your mid-range dwarves, like say, I don't know, Achille and Oin against a dwarf instead of having Thorin and Dwalin there to back you up. And you know that with a free sack, always the strongest dwarf is going straight into a sack. So it kept them alive as well. So oftentimes like Thorin, you're not going to kill him with a power attacks except maybe with Bill's one, but even then it's a big ask. So you chuck him in a sack really quickly and then he's struggling out and then suddenly the other dwarves or even Bilbo have to run around and try and like fetch him out of the sack while you're holding off the trolls and doing a fight. So uh, it's it's definitely not perfect and it definitely needs to be played more, but we found it was so much more interesting as a scenario and it felt more like like what it should be for the story. There should be trolls being scary monsters, putting single dwarves into sacks at a decent rate, not once per scenario. And especially considering the objectives is to put everyone in the sack. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, uh, 
I can see how that would um, drastically change this, the scenario because the way the way I would see think about how how I would change the scenario was have the dwarves move on from different points on the board. So maybe the player with priority chooses the point where the dwarves can come on from. Mm, and, that's and a, that's a decent way of doing because it. Because yeah. one one of the things I always found quite frustrating with the scenario was there's no movement. You basically move the trolls as fast as possible towards the reinforcement board edge, and away you go. So mm. there's there's not really much moving around. But if the doors are coming on from different parts of the board, it gives the trolls opportunities to, you know, go pick on dwarves that are isolated. It forces the dwarves to try and get to the 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 trolls faster and and support their fellow dwarves. And I think it would make it a little bit more of an interesting game. That said, I'm not sure how it would interact with the turn limits. So there's pros and cons. Yeah, we found that um, the the dwarves end up running at the trolls because um, we were threatening Bilbo really early. So we found that the the ultimate tactic for the trolls was to just say, right, well, because you can still charge Bilbo, you just can't strike him. So two turns, you engage Bilbo, he doesn't have the ring, you don't let him get away, and if you kill him, then it's it's a draw, guaranteed, at worst. So the, the good player yeah. has has to come at you at least early on, and and so they, they find that they'll have to do that just to hold up your troll, because what mm. you end up doing is having two trolls, like, shepherding Bilbo and another troll going at him, and then, so the you, your first couple dwarves that come on tend to engage and um, we've tried lots of different ways randomizing with dwarves come on which is kind of cool as well like if you do d3 and then d3 at random that could be very interesting especially if bombo takes up two slots but i think there's there's ways to make this tell a story a bit better that's just some examples um i would love to play it more and i might get back to, to everyone when we, we've got something that's balanced for us but then of course it won't be balanced for everyone as well but uh we'll try it out sometime kylie because i think i think you'll enjoy it more and there was movement because the dwarves were forced to run at the trolls at the start mm-hmm. because the trolls are such a threat to, to bilbo because what we found was the way you did it um bilbo had to be within a certain distance of um a bill isn't it so you put bill as far yeah. back away from killy's spot as you could now, th- that said, in Killy places, Killy gets to choose afterwards. We said that you had to put Killy at the same edge each time, so we knew what edge it was on. So that's an additional change we had as well. But yeah. that meant that um, the dwarves had to actually go save the Hobbit, which was a more interesting play than, than a Hobbit just walking towards the dwarves and then the dwarves camping at the wall and just waiting for the turn. Because you need a battle. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely look forward to, to having another go at, those, at this scenario with those changes. I want our listeners as well. Like, I know that, that I don't call out for listeners very often. I know some of the others do. But if anyone who's a scenario player has found a way to make this work that tells a good story, send it in to us and, and let us know. Like, contact us. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I want this one to work. Either on our Facebook page, email, whatever works for you. Yeah. Socials. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, you, whatever you do. Whatever we check occasionally. That, that would be good. Or just accost us in the street. That would, that would be nice. I have to be a local for that one, though. You would. Unless, <laughs> you would unless you're very a very brave international. <laughs> that would be brave. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Okay, so that was, that was that one. There's no other ones at the moment with the trolls, so let's move on to our final segment. Mustering an up. Come, 
And now, Kylie, we finally get there, mustering an army. Now, I know that some of our listeners have actually asked for us to do this all at a, a single point, like we used to do years and years ago, and, and then vote for them. But the reason we're not doing this at the moment, Kylie, is that some of these armies tend to give you different playstyles at different points levels, and we didn't want to get locked down to a certain tournament points. And also, the fact that Lots of people play at different points levels. We wanted to encourage that. We want to actively say that it's fun and you get a lot more use out of the game to be playing at different points levels. So with that, Kylie, we're going to start with a 400-point list for the trolls. And it seems like this is a good one. So can you outline what you've got in your 400-point list? Oh, yeah. It, most certainly, Jeremy. It's, it's, it's a pretty pretty bog-standard list. But I think you'll find it interesting. It's it's, it's the trolls. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the first model we have is Bill. He has the campfire. And because it's only a single army bonus, we get the campfire for free. All right? So, mm. so remember that. That's, that's important. Campfire being for free is really, really important. All right? And the second model, the second model we have, his name's Bert. All right? And then, mm-hmm. and then the third model is Tom. Bang. 390 points. A little bit under the nose. No, oh. it's, on, it's right on, isn't it? Is it? I thought it was 300. No, it used to be, but they've changed up the points, I believe. So if we go to our, our Armies of Hubbard book, let's have a look at this, Kylie. Let's do some some live reading, as we always love to do. So we've got Bill at 150. We've got Bert at 130 and Tom at 120. So oh, all snap. together, we get exactly 400. So you are right on. You haven't wasted a single point. Well, good thing I got that campfire for free then. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, actually, that they've, they've thought about it and made this playable at 400. And honestly, I think it's a lot of fun at 400. Yeah, I've always enjoyed playing just the three trolls at a 400-point game because at that level, your opponent maybe has one hero that can deal with one of the trolls reliably. So then it becomes a game of can you kill more than just one of the trolls? And... You get some really interesting dynamics with with how your opponent uh, uh, is playing around their hero to to get an isolated combat against your trolls, one of your trolls, so that they can take them, strike up, and take them down. It it's a very interesting game dynamic. Mm. My favorite, Kylie. I love this. This is my classic sort of dream: just playing a game, just casually in the evening. It's it's four hundred points. You play a couple in the night with different army lists, rotating them around on a three foot by four foot board. So it's a rectangular shape. So any of the, the coming on the edge missions, you've got a bit of choice there, but it's also small enough that you can just get stuck in and, and have a fight. So I, I like 400. I think it's a good way to spend an evening and it's a good way for a, a one day tournament or, or just playing around and trying different armies. And it's also not too much to, to paint up. So so for trolls especially love a 400 point list, but... But, Kylie, and we've talked about how to play of Trolls before, I've got a 700-point list, and I want to show you what I've done here, because I think I've been reasonably clever. Maybe not maybe not the most clever I've ever been, but let's have a look what I've got, Kylie. So this is a combined Trolls army, so I'll go through the Trolls component. So this one, once again, as you did before, we can make it take a long time and, and hold it out. So for the Trolls, I've gone for uh, Bill as my leader, and this is he's the leader of the whole army. Bill, without the campfire. No campfire. I haven't brought the campfire. They're away from camp. They're, they're going on a mission. So we've got Bill the Troll, and he is got Tom the Troll as well in his warband. So I've just taken the two. So I've taken Bill for his punch, and I've taken Tom for his sneeze and squished them to jelly and all that fun stuff. So two trolls. Still feels like a trolly army, but it's only only got the two. But they're still imposing. Now, with them, 
I've gone for an ally from the Dark Powers of Dol Gordor list. So I've gone for leading this this lot, but not the army leader, because this is this is a bit of a throwaway model. I've got the Witch King. So the Witch King here is the uh, the the Dol Guldor Wraith. So it basically he's only got the one wound, he's got the three might, he doesn't have any spells, but he's a fighter. But if he gets killed, he can either reposition, which is fantastic. Or he disappears entirely and gets banished, which is not fantastic. But with three points of might, I've got a little bit of mitigation against that. And that's why I chose the Witch King. Some of the others have probably got better abilities. But I just thought just having that extra point of might to, to make sure I survive is pretty nice as well. He can definitely fight. He can he can hold his own. He can strike. He can do all that sort of fun stuff. He can support the trolls. And he's great for Peel because if he dies, you get to reposition him somewhere else and, and Peel somewhere else. And just, just get in annoying stuff. So he's pretty good. He's leading three Hunter Orcs, just basic. Seven Hunter Orcs with Orc Bow for basically honesty Hunter Orc Bows, which can be pretty devastating if someone stands back. Two Hunter Orcs with two-handed pick. So for some extra hitting power, especially if someone manages to to paralyze a guy or whatever. I've got some got some fun there. And with that as well, I've got for two I've got two Merkwood spiders as well. So extra potential paralyze, extra potential range shots. So you've got the trolls throwing rocks, you've got the hunter rock bows, you've got the spiders. So if someone wants to stand back, mm, not a guarantee. It's got some nice honesty fire. And my second warband here, and final warband, is going to be the Keeper of Dungeons leading some Gundabad Orc tanks. So he's got a Gundabad Orc warrior with banner spear shield and then 10 Gundabad Orc warriors with spear shield. So just a block of absolute heating power, some muscle that just goes and, and just gets stuck in with the two trolls and they just they just fight away. The hunter orcs and the spiders can go do objectives if they need to. They can go chop up anything that gets hurled at the back. They can they can jump in the front rank if they want, but I've got some some pretty decent hitting power here, some resilience if I need it, some some tactics with the spiders and the trolls, a bit of an all-round list, but it's only 700, Kylie, and this is a pretty low points list for, for a troll ally. What do you think? You did have a banner in there. I, I didn't mishear that, right? Absolutely. The Keeper of Dungeons has got his own personalized banner with a Gundabad Orc Warrior, so I've got the one banner. Yes. I, I, thought, I thought I was going absolutely mental for a second, and I'm like... I did hear a banner, didn't I? It's me, anyway, Kylie. The yes, banner's yes. the first thing I chose. Yes. No, I absolutely love love the idea that you've you've got for this list. You have a two really good hitters in the trolls, but most mm-hmm. importantly, you've got Harbinger of Evil from the Ring Wraith, and yep. you have a banner. So you've given you've basically provided a whole slew of extra buffs for your trolls that I think are gonna absolutely prove to be their weight in gold. Because being able to limit your opponent's ability to engage your trolls at the same time as giving them an extra reroll for combat is absolutely massive. And I think this list has a potential to do some really, really funky things. And with the trolls, if I go for a tag team of, say, Bill and the Witch King and the Keeper of Dungeons and Tom, those two, I'm confident they can pretty much take out any hero. They're like teaming up. So if I set this up so that the Witch King and Bill go up against the hero... I think I'm going to take it out. And if Tom sneezes and the Keeper of the Dungeon starts whacking them with his burly, I think I'm going to take them out. So I'm, I'm pretty confident in my hero killing ability. And with 29 models at 700, it's not a huge amount of models, but I think it's enough to support the trolls. And, and if I want to play KG, I've got the Gundabad Warriors, which are hard to get through. The Hunter Orcs hit like, a, like anything. They're, they're, they're really offensive, but I've just got to be careful I don't throw them away for nothing. And I've got enough... Enough shooting. I love the Merkwood Spiders as well, because 
uh, things like a troll barging off a paralyzed model and that you can do some really, really fun stuff. So I, I, I just... I want to play this one. I think it's just really cool. And, and I love playing the, the Dark Tales of Dual Goldor in a different way as well. Because it is, and listeners know, it's one of the lists I really enjoy. But normally, it's just all about the Necromancer. So in this one, basically, you're getting rid of the Necromancer, cut, he's gone. And then plopping in two trolls instead, that changes it up really quite a bit. And I think uh, a really good point to make here too is every model in the list has the potential to have at least two attacks for combat. So you can, you're actually, I think, better than you think you are in terms of being able to survive um, mm. and, and buying the trolls time to win combats. Because, like, two attacks of the Hunter Rock is always good. You can shield with the Gundabads. You've got battery rolls in there. You've got some good good tanking models. The, the only thing I can think of maybe is uh, maybe a cheeky Castellan in there somewhere, somewhere to, to really slow down a big scary threat that could uh, possibly threaten your trolls. Kylie, that's what I'm going to do if I was going to 750. I would That would be my next choice, just plonk in a Castellan with a Morgul Blade, because I think that will combine very well again with things like Tom Sneeze and um, and some of the other stuff as well. But I, I, I thought about that, and I just... Uh, I, I like that 700 is... I wanted to do something that was small-ish for a Trolls, and it means I had to had to cut some corners. I think I've... I've I don't know if I've optimized it, but I think my heroes all add a huge amount of value. Like, everyone wants to get in the fight, but also support the army in their own unique way as well. So I kind of like this. I think it'd be good fun. I think it'd be fun to play against as well, in that you can go tag down the Hunter Orcs and try and take them out and break it really quickly, and then it's going to cause some problems. So I, I think there's, there's a lot. Um, I also like the Keeper of Dungeons mechanic with the, the counting up and getting your terror and getting your your uh, bonuses and that that kind of stuff is pretty cool as well. Uh, neither of the armies loses a huge amount by losing the army bonus for being yellow. So that's I'm not too worried about that because the uh, the dark powers, it's the, the, the army bonus is all about the necromancer. So you don't need that. The trolls, it's all about the fire. I don't have, have the fire, but I've got a banner anyway, and I've got a harbinger going on. So it's probably a nice trade-off anyway. Mm. So I, yeah, I and, don't mind and- it. And as well, the Keeper of the Dungeons is pretty good at resisting magic with these three will points, so you're not too worried about uh, enemy spellcraft as, as as well. You have you have a model that you can play around to kind of deal with enemy wizards and stuff, which I, I really like. And I've got a lot of strike, so if if someone's going to try and outfight me, everyone all my heroes have strike except for Tom, who has a sneeze, which is probably even better. So I, I've got a good amount of stuff going on in this army list. Maybe I'll even find a chance for challenge. I doubt it. Doubt it 100%, but I think I think it's a good start. Keeper of Dungeons, I think what I like about him more than anything is I, I'm a bit worried about break tests, but he's got a sneaky Courage 5 and 3 will. So he's actually a really, yeah. really good leader. And surprisingly, because you don't sort of expect that as a nice bonus, and I've got to get my hand on that um, that new model. Well, not new now, but, you know, the, the Periscope that, that was released recently. I haven't got that one yet, and I'd, I'd love to get that one and paint it up and have that as, as a guy walking around because it just looks so cool. Mm. So I want to try this one out. Okay, Kylie, do you have a list? I do, I do. This is one that I've actually played with a fair bit recently in preparation for this episode. So I have a lot of things that I want to talk about this list. So in Warbound 1 is all three trolls. We got we got Bill, we got Bert, we got Tom, we got all three and the campfire. So already we're starting off pretty strong at 415 points. So mm-hmm. I've got a, uh, an 800-point list. So the remainder of my force... Is from the Dark Desertans of Murkwood. Ooh, nice. Yes, so we have a Spider Queen to lead Warband number two. She is leading two Murkwood Spiders, six Giant Spiders, 
five Felwags and two Bat Swamps. Mm, good mix. Uh, yes, this brings the list up to 19 models and 800 points. And this list is super fun to play. I, I kind of like this army list. It, it's first thing I noticed from a, from a player is that you've got a pretty small amount of models, but everything's on a gigantic base. So you're actually taking up a fair bit of the board in terms of what you've got. Most things hit really, really hard. So the spiders are nasty on the attack. The trolls are nasty on the attack. The spider queen, if she gets away, she just rip apart anything. She, she's really good. And, and yes, she's got the defense four, but everything else is just phenomenal with her. And having some broodlings as well, just to make some some annoyance around is pretty good. You've got the Merkwood Sp- I love the Merkwood Spiders. I'm a big fan of the Merkwood Spiders, mm. so they're, they're pretty handy. And Bat Swarms and Trolls is just sneaky good because basically you're getting Tom Sneeze for free. And, and so Tom can sneeze and the other two can have a Bat Swarm and away you go. So I kind of like this army list a bit and, and want to play it because it also, I think it fits the theme as well, really well. The idea of these trolls in the hills of a whole bunch of spiders and, and wags and bats. Yeah, it actually, it, it functions really like i'm not gonna say hit and run but there's a lot of sneaky tricks you can do with the list now obviously the murkwood uh giant spider debate i mean you you can add more murkwood spiders or uh, or, or or giant spiders you can you can you can muck with those um levels however you see fit but what i love about the the power behind the list is that with the spider queen it gives you sp- uh, like really good speed to be able to threat charges and angles that your opponent would want to challenge and and try and use to get in behind the trolls. So if you use terrain really cleverly, you can actually flip the script on your opponent and actually be the one flanking your opponent instead of them being the ones to flank you. Because there's nothing more nasty then say two giant spiders, a spider queen, and a bat swarm swooping in from a flank, even maybe with a, a felwag or two, and absolutely hitting them where it hurts, and almost pinning your opponent between a rock and a hard place, and the, the rock being the trolls, and the hard pace place being the spider queen. Because one of the really cool features with this list is that the spider queen can kind of release her broodlings as surprise peel for your opponent they might not expect you know to for you to just drop down to you know a couple of broodling frisbees go in charging off and peeling off all these spear supports and maybe a bat swarm swooping in and and peeling off another model in combat and suddenly your opponent you know all in engaged with you know a bunch of royal guard and maybe a an aemir or a, or a thaden suddenly turns into just aim or just stay and fighting a troll and that's never a place you want to be yeah I, I like that a lot i think it's it's a fun list i think it's one that that yes opponents can probably if they get into combat with it can can outdo it but what i found playing against armies like this the spiders take a surprising amount of turns to get through that two wounds is is just annoying because if you're clever about them and, and keep like flipping them out and when they have one wound, put them in the back ranks and go take on things that you're likely to win against, you can keep them going for a long time. So it's really nice to have that army where you can throw your, your peel in and know that they're not going to die. And that's, that's a perfect thing for the trolls to give them lots of time to do their thing and to hang around their fire and just, just rip through things. Yeah, 
Absolutely agree. Like, don't get me wrong, this list is super spooky to play. I can understand why the Dark Desertons and Merkwood players in the world uh, always seem to be jittering and, like, biting their nails or, or, or like... <laughs> Or, or like wringing their hands and stuff during a game because when you have these incredibly fragile models with with really high damage potential, but one mistake can get them killed, it's uh, a, a bit of a, a bit of a yikes uh, yikes game the whole way through because it is tense, tense mm, from yeah. from the first turn to the last turn because of just how few models you have, but how dangerous they can be. Yeah, and I looked. I think. Even the bats are just so scary in this army list because of their speed, their ability to to jump in there, their tankiness with the four wounds. They can they can really make a mess of all your plans. So you're constantly in anti flyer formation against really fast armies and ones that can burl and hurl. Uh, sorry, burl and hurl, barge and hurl, and do all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's a fun army to play. It probably um, if you get caught up by a, a decent horde army that can match your, your fight four, you're probably in a little bit of trouble. But the trick is use your speed and even your barges for your trolls to get in the right position and just mint some stuff. Yeah. What have you got, Jeremy? What's your next list? Okay, my next list, and I I think we're going to talk about this quite a bit. I'm going to go for the trolls, who would have thought, with an ally, and I'll I'll reveal the ally soon. This is 800 points, Kylie. Same as you. 800 points is really nice because the 415 for the trolls is, is affordable at this point. So I've gone for the full package with the trolls. So three trolls... And a campfire. They're all here. I want to use the full box. I want to make sure that I, that I get some use out of it. So why not plug them all in here? I don't get the army bonus because I don't think trolls have any green allies at all. So no. that's that's fine. That's all right. But I still get a bonus to the courage value and resistance to magic with a campfire. And I can burn people on it, some, do some cooking. So I like that idea. Now, what I've got here to ally with is Goblin Town. Classic Goblin Town, but I've tried to be a little bit clever with how I've taken them. As clever as you can be with Goblin Town. Goblin Town's going to be another interesting episode, isn't it, Kylie? Where there's not oh. not a huge amount to talk about, but but lots of lots of different ways to try and play them, I guess. So I've gone for the Goblin King, of course. He's leading. I think I have to take him because it's a yellow ally. He's going to lead fourteen Goblin Warriors with nothing extra, just the Goblin Warriors. I haven't haven't invested in the two-handed weapon. If you really want them, you can play around the points a little bit. I haven't, and he's got a nice little golem in his warband as well. So he's that's that's a sneaky one with the potential to take the ring. I think uh, trolls. So I've got three trolls and then a goblin king and then a ring bearer hanging around. That's already a pretty nasty wall to fight against. And heroes do not want to be taking me on there. Then I've got for warband two uh, a goblin scribe with six goblin warriors to carry him around. So I'm gonna lean into the try to obtain some more goblins and bring my numbers up. And then for warband three. Uh, right next to the campfire. So I set up the campfire, Kylie, and I'm going to set it up and make sure there's some terrain nearby because out of that terrain is going to pop a goblin mercenary captain and eight goblin mercenaries. <laughs> so the idea is that the trolls get to that fire, the goblin mercenaries come out and help them out and do all the peel jobs while the trolls get to work. Meanwhile, the goblin king golem are joining in the fight and having, having a good old time, and the scribe is just calling for more goblin reinforcements just to, to go capture objectives, to go be annoying, to jump in, to... To pile on, and I've ended up with 35 models in total for this at 800. So not not a huge amount to start with, but the potential to get up to to 40 models, to get up to 45, if if I'm going well for courage tests, can be can be a bit of a bit of work because you've also got the Goblin King who's really tough to kill, and then three trolls and Golem. It's gonna it's gonna be fun. 
Yeah, I think the one thing you need to probably watch out for with this list is um, making sure you're managing your breakpoint really well. Um, you're probably not going to be spending all your might um, as aggressively as you normally would because you might need a might point or two in the back pocket on your trolls to keep them around late game if you happen to get broken. But mm. I just love the image of the three trolls and the Goblin King forming this giant wall. This like, what is that? Like uh, 60, 120, 80, nearly, what is that? A 22 centimeter wall. And if you add in like a 25 mil gap in between it, it can probably almost get up to 30 centimeters in terms of just obligatory monster wall that your opponent, you know, can't do anything about. They've got to go around. Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and trying to, so you can't get traps on them because it, you've set it up so it's so big. You can go and sneak some little mercenaries around if you need to, or or not. You can hide back and just basically make sure the opponent only fights the monsters. And then um, you can also, the buying time, you're almost encouraging your opponent to come at you because the scribe's going to be calling for more goblin reinforcements. So that, that's got a bit of a timer for the game because, yes, the breakpoint's still an issue, but once you get to the point where you've got so many goblins on the board, it almost doesn't really matter. So your opponent has to go and get jump in. And to jump in, they're going to have to go through this this meat shield of, of goblins and... and Sorry, not goblins. Of, of uh, the Witch King and the Trolls. And it's going to be a bit of fun to play. Uh, it's, it's a pretty standard way of allying with the, the Trolls. But I really do like... I was, I'm going to argue about Gollum, and I just cannot leave him behind in this army list. I just think it's just so nice to have him for either Peel... And he's he's pretty pretty attacking, or even better for ring usage and just trying to assassinate heroes and, and do the sneaky takedowns. So I think that's particularly useful. The scribe, I, I think the scribe's the way to go, um, just to get it up. The goblin mercenaries were a choice. I was thinking of that, or just the goblin captain for the march and some some extra goblins. But I do like the mercenary in that it can come in and be a nasty surprise near the campfire. And if you've got this wall of trolls, it might actually be hard to get your goblins around the back of that wall. So being able to plonk the goblin mercenaries down in the back could be really, really useful. Yeah, no, I agree with that one uh, in all of its entirety, Jeremy. I think that's a really, really smart um, kind of uh, analysis of what your list can and can't do. Mm, yeah, I think I think it'd be fun to play with as well. And honestly, for a troll army list, it's one that you don't have to put a huge amount of of uh, money into putting this together because the Goblin Warriors, well, they they used to be really cheap. I don't know how much they are, but because the plastics are around everywhere, you can find a golem. There's ten thousand different golems. The Goblin Mercenaries are a bit of an investment, but other than that, you're looking at a, a pretty pretty decent to obtain army list and, and one that that's good fun to put together. It's gonna gonna stress your opponents out a little bit. Mm, mm. Okay. Okay, Kylie, I think we've got time for another one. What have you got? I've got a bit of a weird one. I was struggling what to do for kind of my second list. And then I thought, you know what? Let's go with a bit of a meme. Let's go with a bit of a meme. So in Warband 1, I have just Tom and Bert. Tom does have the campfire. And that's super, super important. Because the campfire is the crux to this list. Uh, in Warband 2, I have Durbers, the Goblin King of Moria. And he has six Moria Black Shields, six... Um, more, and another six Moria Black Shields with Spear. He also has a Black Shield Drum and a Bat Swarm in his Warband. In Warband number two, we have a Black Shield Captain. Uh, he has got uh, tw- uh, 11 Moria Black Shields, six with Spear and a Moria and a Bat Swarm. In Warband number four, we have a Moria Black Shield Shaman and he is leading five Goblin Prowlers and a Bat Swarm. And in Warband number 5, I have also taken a second Black Shield Shaman 
five Moria Goblin Prowlers, and a Bat Swarm. For a total of four Bat Swarms, a bunch of Goblins, and two Shamans to back up my Trolls. So Trolls, which Trolls do you have, Kylie? Tom, so the big hitty one, and Bill. No, is, isn't that not Bill? Sorry, you're right, Bill. I always get them confused. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking because you said Tom with the campfire early on. I'm thinking, wait a second, wait a second. That doesn't quite work. So yes. you got Bill with his campfire. Yes. Sounds good. And who else? Bert. Bert, the one that throws models the into cook. the bat campfire. Can you okay. see where the yeah. meme is? <laughs> so let so so let me get this straight. You've got a campfire. Yeah. Um, Bert is happy to throw things on the campfire. Yes. What else have you got? There's some there's some other movement stuff going on here, isn't there? Yes. So there's bat swarms. Because yep. the plan is the plan is to either shatter my opponent's uh, weapon, have uh, Bert charge them, grab them, throw the them fire. on the fire, and then when they're burning it on fire, charge and trap them with a whole bunch of Moria Goblin Prowlers. Mm, and getting, getting lots of the lots of the extra bonuses for the Prowlers. So yeah, yeah the Prowlers are pretty decent backfield uh, for trolls. I think they they. The, the throwing weapons and the, the double up on attacks is, is very nice. So and the, so you've got the couple shamans. You're not going for the... Is it Earthquake or something they've got as well? Yeah. But yeah. You're, you're going more for the break the weapons. Going, going for more for the break the weapons. So, so the idea, the bit of the meme in this list is that you're grabbing models with Bert. You're throwing them onto the fire into a giant horde of uh, models that get basically plus two to wound. And they have the bat swarm, so they're almost guaranteed to win the combat. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. And what, what was the other stuff you had? You had just a bunch of goblins. Just a bunch of black shields with derbers and a captain as a solid front line. I've also got a drum in there, so it's harder to yep. charge the trolls. So basically the idea is that Tom, Derbers, and the black shields form a front line whilst Bert is uh, cooking up a storm, you know? You know, flicking some uh, high-priority targets onto the fire. <laughs> and and the points level, Kylie, was... A thousand. thousand. Ooh, interesting, interesting. I'm... I don't know what to think about. I need to see this one in action, Kylie, because it feels like it's either it's too many moving parts or overkill sometimes. Because it's like I, I don't know. It's it's a, a, a very effective way. You're going to get some really fun kills. But you're right. The the old whole memeless idea, isn't it? it? It feels like you've got one choreographed strategy, and I wonder how often that will actually come to fruition. You and how often you'll just use your bat swarms to go get the kills with your goblins and just start ripping things up. It feels like sometimes a you set it up as a win more list, and I think you might be able to win without that little strategy. But I do like it. I do like the thought behind it. I like that you've found another way to to highlight the campfire. And I think that from a psychology point of view, the idea like my heroes are not going anywhere near Bert ever, just because yeah. it's so scary. Probably could have used like a, maybe some sort of a transfix in there. I wanted to do Angmar as an ally. I had some ideas for that, but you can't do Angmar as a as an allied contingent anymore because of the red alliances. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I almost wish that they had um, Bill. Uh, is it Bill? I always get him confused. Will. Bill, the, the big one? Yeah, the big one. Yeah. Yep. I almost wish that he was a hero of legend just to open up some more options because in terms of allies, you're limited to the following. You're, you're limited to Azog's Hunters. So there's some, some fun stuff you could do there. Uh, the Dark Deserts of Merklid. The uh, Dark Powers of Dog or Durr, Smaug, interestingly enough. Uh, yeah. The Goblin Town uh, and Moria. There's, those are your only options in terms of allied contingents and stuff that you could uh, bring in to help support the, the list. 
I find it funny. I feel like Angmar is the one that's probably got hit more than anything else because it, it for me Angmar feels like generic scary evil, but I think they're they're almost considering it as being a very specific point in time, and I, I think that's where the trouble lies of it because I, I don't see why a, a, a this sounds like a cool alternate Angmar mm. list having the hill trolls with more hill trolls like yeah because having it's, these guys with Birda. It's it's weird because like these like Tom um Tom Burton uh, Bill. Um, come from uh, from the Entomores. They're, fr- they're they're trolls from the Entomores, and the Entomores were pretty solidly a part of Angmar. Like that was mm. like where they were getting majority of their their trolls and their their orcs from was from the Entomores. And for them to turn around and go, nah, nah, the different region. They never would have associated with any of the spooky stuff from from up north. It's it just seems a bit odd. And how cool would it be to have these guys? Now, is it is it red allies you can't ally without a legend, or is it? Yeah, is that the, the case? Really? Yeah, you need a hero of legend Ooh. in both lists. So, oh yuck yuck yuck! Because yeah. how cool would it be to have these three trolls with Birda and then like three more cave trolls? That it would, would be, be fun. pretty cool. I'm actually thinking <laughs> of something even more disgusting. I was thinking, no, of... that's not disgusting. It's just fun. What's your disgusting list? Might because you know how red alliances you can't use might. I was thinking mm. of like, what if I go mightless? What if I just go the Dwimmer Lake or something like that? Maybe a maybe a, a shade or a, a barrel wide in there, a couple of specters, and chuck in a banner or something behind, and have all the spooky stuff, you know, lurking behind the trolls, providing all this crowd control and AOE debuffs and stuff, whilst the trolls just absolutely run in and just smash face. Or even yeah, just lots of specters and stuff like that would be fantastic mm. with the trolls, and and I don't. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I feel like, I, I don't know, I, I really want there to be a, an Angmar extension at some point where we get, even if it's two Angmar lists, like one that's a generic all-age Angmar list and one that's a very specific army of the Witch King Angmar list because I, I think I think you could have some fun there with, with just, like, trolls and ghosts being added to other armies. Mm. It's cool. Because, like, in terms of, like, actual spellcraft, like transfixes and compels, you're basically locked into dragons as your ability to add support or the Necromancer even. Although that, yeah. now that I think about it, a dragon could be cool, you know. With, yeah, with a dragon dogs. would absolutely be be could cool. Be, for it. You're you're committing heaps of points at that uh, at that level, but it could be good fun as well. But I guess the trolls are a tricky. If you want to go a troll horde, I think you're pretty much stuck with either Moria or Goblin Town. And if you want to go elite, you can pretty much choose them in any of the other allies. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Mm, mm. But uh, it's got some ideas, and I know we've been bagging on alliances for for quite a few episodes. This one, it wasn't too difficult to find some cool alliances, was it? Though, let's let's be honest. Yeah, so these guys are are a decent ally force. I think you could, if you want to add some spice to to an existing Goblin Town or Moria Army or um or the Hunter Orcs or or the Dogaldor or whatever you want, I think these guys are a pretty decent choice because they're they're nice and thematic. They're they're fun to use. You take a troll and you're going to get some use out of it always, I think. Yeah, pretty much. And they're such fun models to use too because not they're kind of... What I'd like to think of them as like a better version of the Mordor Troll Chieftain. Like they're, they're more fun than them. Like mm. you've got yeah. like even the new Troll Chieftain with the Fearless and the Extra Point of Might and Fate from the, the Legendary Legion still pales in comparison to, you know, a, um, a Bill or a Burt. Um, in, in terms of what they can do. So I, I would like to see them do more of this kind of fun stuff with the big monsters that 
not necessarily break the game, but change how how they play on the table and change their dynamics. Because I think having these big models that have have a presence ability, have an ability that feels impactful, aside from just being a monster and I go squish, I think adds a lot more character to the game. And, and it's that kind of stuff that makes the game more fun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I like it. Hopefully that's got some ideas, and I'm sure that, that our listeners can come up with some really cool ideas for the trolls as well and, and let us know what, what they've got going with that because it's it's a fun list to play, and it's a nice one to play at 400, but it's a nice one to play mm. big as well. So, Kylie, I think that might be getting us towards the end of this episode. So I just want to, before we go, I just really want to say thank you for the people for being patient with us while we've been a, a bit slow on getting episodes out recently as you can imagine there's always life stuff going on and, and with what's going on around it, it's it can be tricky to get this because this is not our job we're not the mm. the people who put out content as our first priority so we can only do it when we've got some spare time and unfortunately yeah. Kylie, spare time it feels like it's at a premium so thank you for being patient thank you for all the feedback there's been some really good interactions with the community and thank you for everyone that's got on board with the um the the patreon as well we really do appreciate it i know we don't interact with that a whole lot and that was never the plan that was more like a a tip jar one and thank you so much for anyone who has contributed to that for a short amount of time or a long amount of time it doesn't matter we appreciate it all the same it just pays for the bills and 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 keeps our lights on and all that sort of fun stuff and and we will come up with more episodes we will enjoy this um just yeah. a peek behind the scenes we've had a a, a little bit of uh, a recurrence with with um with covid issues in australia at the moment so um in in Recently, we've been lucky enough to be able to play some events and play some games. And just recently, there's this a little bit going around, so it's it's disrupted our schedule again. But that's that that's life at the moment, isn't it? So we've just been off and on with our game, and and when we when we play, we've got to just really enjoy it. Yeah, and like like you said, Jeremy, like all the listeners out there, keep hitting us up on socials and stuff. I know there are a few people that um uh, contact me on like say Facebook and stuff and you know query me with army list suggestions keep doing that always happy um when I have some free time to you know go over some lists or uh have a chat about you know army lists or, or rules and, and stuff like that and as, as Jeremy said this is a this is a hobby for us you know we do this po- podcast as, as a hobby so uh keep kind of engaging us and and having some fun on on socials and 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 uh in person if you're lucky enough to to live in Melbourne with uh, with us um, because it's it's that kind of stuff that keeps us uh, motivated to keep uh, releasing content when we have the chance mm. to. Yeah, absolutely. I really do enjoy it. Okay, so thank you, Ertz, and uh, remember, traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. The Green Dragon Podcast discusses tabletop wargaming using the Middle-Earth strategy battle game rules for Games Workshop. We have no affiliation with Games Workshop, Warner Brothers, New Line, Tolkien Enterprise, or anyone else involved in Tolkien's universe. We're on our own. Thank you to our patrons for your support. You can become a patron at www.patreon.com slash thegreendragonpodcast. You can contact us via our Facebook page at The Green Dragon Podcast, or on our email, thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Not so sure about that plural. This podcast is for entertainment, so please take it that way. Farewell, listener. The road goes ever on and on.